FMX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Leanne Re-Raceables on PulpMX.com. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. This is Troy, Ohio, 1997. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate this. And, uh, man, these are fun to do. And today's is a good one, too. If you were there at Troy in 97, then you know how damn hot this was. And a couple uh, a couple of really cool results in this class. Uh, one unexpected, one kind of expected. So lots to talk about when it comes to Liat Re-Raceables. Thanks to the guys at Liat. Of course, the Moto Concepts have been, guys have been using Liat head-to-toe um, for uh, a couple of years now. But different people ride for different reasons. Yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, neck braces... They cover the riders from head to toe for moto and mountain bike. But what Liat really stands for is a promise of things to come. They are in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to push yourself faster, harder, and further than you thought you could go. Visit them at Liat.com. If you want a discount from the folks at Liat uh, for uh, anything that they have, uh, email us using the contact form on pulpamex.com, and we will pass a code on to you to save at liat.com just for listening to this podcast. I really thank you, people. I want to thank the folks at Blenzall, of course, and Maxis Tires are on board this podcast. The, the folks at Blenzall, we're going to give away a uh, two-stroke or a four-stroke oil of your choice. Uh, you pick just for listening to this podcast. Just uh, send an email to contest at pulpamexshow.com, and uh, we will pick somebody at random. Thanks for listening. Blenzall.com, at Blenzall on Instagram. And uh, again, thanks to Liat, Blenzall, and Maxis to help me break down Troy, Ohio, 97. The man, the myth, the legend, Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. So hey, we, we say almost the same thing at the beginning of every one of these shows. Like, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is not known as a good one. It is just known as the hot one. Yeah. Yeah. This, the, the, the racing wasn't great. The actual racing in this one wasn't great. Uh, MC and Fro get into it a little bit. Uh, they have a good little battle, and we'll, we'll touch on that. But the racing wasn't good. But, dude, it was so hot and so humid at this race. Uh, it's incredible. And uh, we're going to have some Liat re-raceables categories later on as well. I'm interested, Weege. Did you ever go to Troy, Ohio? Uh, not this, not that year, but I did go a few times. Oh, you did? Okay, I, I just even—I was just wondering last, in general. Uh, yeah. Yes, I had. Uh, I think two or the last two or three nationals, maybe. When did it end? Was oh oh two was the last one? Because oh three was the flooded one, and it never happened. Oh, okay. So yes, I remember going in oh two, uh, and I guess everybody knew oh three was going to be the last year because everybody already knew. Oh, we did. Okay. Yes, because you don't, you love how this works, right? You love how this works. So for years it was like ah, Troy, it's it's just flat. It just has jumps only. Maybe it's not the best track. Then all of a sudden in '02, the riders were raving about the track in the post race press conference, <laughs> and it's so sad to see it go. And the dirt is so good, and this place is awesome. So I guess they must have known a year in advance that we will be back one more time. But then we're done. So they never came back after the double flooded out 
03. Yeah, never races. never came okay. back. Uh, this one yep. was a uh, a hot one for sure, man. I was there. I was working for Ty Birdwell uh, as a privateer rider. He did not make the motos. I thought he did. Um, and then looking at the results, he did not. Um, I know in 97, he scored a point at the very first national of the year, beating Jason Thomas, by the way, uh, at Gainesville. And then he nope. never got another point the rest of the year. And he didn't always make the motos, but I thought there were some that he made. Um, you know what I mean? So, But not this one, Going looking back at the results. but So I was there. But it was balls hot, man. Oh, it was so humid. It was trapped in that valley. It had the trees everywhere. It wasn't a great track. I, I, you know what? Like, you look back at national tracks, and, 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 you know, I know there were a lot of complaints about Freestone and the heat. Freestone was a better track than Troy, in my, in, in my opinion. It, it, wasn't a great, it wasn't a great track. They, they did what they could, but, it, you know, wasn't a great national. Yeah, and now with the, the tint of nostalgia and retro being awesome, anyone listening to this is going to be like, no, Kent Worthy's is great. Bring it back. But that's what shocked me. I, I remember people being like, it's flat and it only has jumps. Like, that's the entire track. That's not a national level track. But until 02, when they found it was going to go, and then suddenly it was epic dirt. And where a lot of that came from, by the way, you know, in 02, Ricky Carmichael was so unbelievably on top of the sport that whatever he said, you know, really reverberated through the pits. Yep. He had just gone on this rant about how much Unadilla sucks <laughs> like a week or so <laughs> earlier. And then I believe what he said was, he's like, you know, it's shocking that this track, which they really have good dirt and they really try, is going to be gone. And then some of these other ones that suck are going to stay in the schedule, yep. which is a direct shot at Unadilla. Now, I do think Unadilla, from what the riders say, has improved since he said that. Um, he was also pissed, I think, at Bud's Creek one year, the track prep or something Oh, like that. yeah, that was the, the year that Disney Nations. Oh, oh, yeah. That was that year, yeah. yeah. Yep. So Ricky wasn't afraid back then to say something, and because he was so clearly the number one guy in the sport at that time, it really rang out. So he was singing the praises of Troy in 02. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, it was a flat track with jumps. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I feel like when I go back and watch, and you can watch most of this 97 race on YouTube, it is like, really? Yeah. That's the track? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It wasn't – I don't remember. I went there. I started going there in 96, and, uh, you know, I went there all every year, I think. And I, nobody was stoked. I don't remember anybody being – the best thing – the only memory I have of Troy that is in, is in enjoying that, – that is enjoy, uh, enjoyable – sorry, enjoyable for me is 98 or 97. It could have been this year. 97 or 98, uh, a bunch of uh, female entertainers uh, were hired to put on a show at the Yamaha of Tro Honda of Troy mail order room, uh, mail order call center. Um, they just pushed all the desks and cubicles aside, and the females uh, were hired to put on a show. And there was a bunch of riders there and, and industry people, and that was great. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Flipper. Uh, R.I.P. Okay. R.I.P. Uh, that's, that's what I remember with Troy. That was the funnest part of Troy. Yeah. All great. right. Yeah. I do feel like, um, and again, I wasn't in the running group at that at this time, but from the stories I've heard, that well, neither was right I. Neither was I. But somehow I got in. Like, let's not let's not you know. Well, I do feel that Ohio. Okay, for a couple reasons. Yep. You had yeah the, the Yamaha of Troy, Honda of Troy. That was the same Troy. That's the same town, right? Yeah. So you had this track. You had the of Troy team that was very good. Mm -hmm. You had this was I would assume when in your KTM days when KTM was based out of Ohio. This was the local race, right? Well, yeah, no, I don't really remember anybody caring or thinking about that. Yeah, no. 
Well, here's what okay. I'm getting at. No, yep. hold on. Hold okay. on. And then a lot of dudes hung out at Brock Sellard's house for the summer, right, in yep. Ohio? Yep. I feel like, in general, the Troy, Ohio, Ohio, middle of summer, I've heard many good stories overall. Yeah. Of, of, of that ilk. True. Of hangouts, parties, dudes having fun during the summer, yeah. either basing themselves at a KTM or Sellers or the of Troy team, yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. And then, of course, the canceled race, there was a big, uh, big old party after the canceled race um, at Sellers' house, or where was that? Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. GL was, that's where they were when yeah. they got the phone call, right. like, the race is canceled, hey, GL, you're champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure oh. that was one of the most epic, probably several days <laughs> Exactly. So uh, uh, this was... So I hear more stories about having good times in the Ohio region in this area of the the season than I do hearing about the actual races. Yeah. 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 Good point. (laughs) Um, So this this is David Bailey, Art Ekman, and Davey Coombs on site. And Davey, I think, sets a record for the most mechanics area interviews in a race. Uh, he, (laughs) He gets... I don't know. It seems like 15 guys. He gets goose twice. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah, he's going back. He's Coombs is working it uh, at Troy 97. So, well, we'll we'll talk to Davey on this show yeah. actually about that. Yes, because he was TV pit reporter back then. But there are all these little hints when you go back and watch these races. Does this do this for you, Steve? It does it for me. You remember going to these races or watching them on TV or whatever the case may be, and it felt like the creme de la creme, the highest end professional racing that could possibly be uh-huh. but then you look back with 20 years of evolution of everything getting better and i know with the tinge of nostalgia sorry 90s two strokes everything was better but honestly so many things are so rudimentary and so like you really thought that was that was good <laughs> so do you get that a lot of times you'll see i don't know the track or the way the tv show's done or, or something about the race where you're like man that was pretty amateurish compared to the way they do it now. oh you get those yeah i mean yeah the flags the different color flags for for where the track goes you know what i mean like just here's a, here's a stake and a flag kind of goes over that way you know things yeah. like that yeah mechanics area mechanics guys they look pretty rough t-shirts and you know yeah. what I mean? just yeah all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah, yeah for sure it's so much when you see the drone shots that they show now yeah. of, of Lucas Sweat now, and you see how well-dressed, I think is the term they use, mm-hmm. the places are now, the way the banners look and all this yeah. stuff is laid out, it looks like a professional racetrack. Yeah. And again, I'm sure in 97, if you went to these races, compared to 87, it probably looked that like that much better. Yeah. It just keeps evolving. And the long way around I'm getting to is this. Like, of course, Davey was interviewing these guys in mechanics area. They had no screens. They had no live timing and scoring. The mechanics were just like watching their rider go by for 15 seconds and then just standing well, around. Uh, at Troy, it was five seconds. Yeah, at Troy, it was even worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, could, you just literally barely saw them. You could look at that Widowmaker jump and see the top of their head. You know what I mean? Be like, oh, there's my guy. He's still alive. And then <laughs> okay. 30 seconds later, he comes by you. And then one minute later, at top of the top of the jump again. Yeah, it was right. bad. Right, so imagine today where you have a series of tents and then you have a screen with live timing and a screen with the live television broadcast of the race. Yeah, yeah. That is astronaut-level stuff compared to what those mechanics had. Uh, So this is also known as the Damon Huffman race. Uh, Oh, actually, I don't know, Weege. Okay, so this is known as a couple things. Damon Huffman comes into this race. Uh, He's a factory Kawasaki rider, riding 125s, and he's like ninth in the points, right? Uh, of course, Huffy's a great rider, and I don't know what happened earlier in the year. I think he missed one round or something. But um, So he goes 1-1, and he's not touched, right? So there's that. 
aspect of it where it was just Damon Huffman's day at Troy. And Ricky Carmichael, of course, had won eight out of 16 motos coming in, and and he was the guy. This was Ricky's first year, uh, first full-time year, and, and he had nothing for Damon Huffman. So there's that, and I think of it as that race. In my mind, that is a Damon Huffman race. I don't know why. Just that's what I think of when I think of Troy 97, the heat, and Damon Huffman. But I have heard many people in the industry talk about this as the Jeff Emig in black gear race. So where is it for you? Which one is it for you? Because some people are like, dude, Troy, Fro, black gear. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's a Damon Huffman out of nowhere 1-1 race. Yeah, I'm with you. The Fro, black gear in the heat uh, has – not only stood the test of time, <laughs> it but really it almost has. grown. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, unfortunately for Huffy, the one-one has probably faded through the years. Uh, I mean, but, he did. He beat Carmichael straight up. Like Carmichael started pretty close to him, yeah, and he just rolled away in both motos, which has probably happened like <laughs> what five times yeah. in the history of Carmichael's yeah. career. <laughs> Who knows? So, and, and here's another point about going back and watching these races. So, Fro doesn't wear the black gear in Moto Two. I was shocked to see that because. For sure, the legend is, of course, he probably rode three motos in yeah, the black gear. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he had green gear on for Moto2. So the Moto1 black gear, that's all anyone remember. If you quizzed people right now, if you, Steve, if you could quiz fans are at that race and you asked them, did Fro wear the black gear in both motos, would a single person say no? No, they would not. And I, and no. I would have been with them because I was like, wait, he's wearing the green and white-ish yes. stuff in Moto2. Yep. But the fro black gear Troy in the heat story is out there, and I, it's funny. Like I said, industry people when this comes up and you're bench racing, to me it yeah. comes up as that, and uh, to them it, or to me they say that, and I'm like, dude, this is the David Huffman race, you know? So I don't know. Yes. Uh, so we actually we're gonna have Damon Huffman on this show. Yeah. Because uh, yes, to us it's the Damon Huffman race, and as these reraceables are turning out to be, you know, we've done uh, one recently with Ezra Lusk. We did one with, uh, we had both Doug Henry and John Dowd. You know, we end up hitting, you know, even the career and how this race fit into their career. Not just this particular race, but we'll get into some general career stuff with with Huffman, who doesn't do a lot of media these days. But to give Fro his due, uh, we did hit up Fro on text just to ask. Yeah, you put, us in, you put us in a group text with Fro, or me and Fro in a group text. And first he said, who well, is I this? I wanted to because I was worried. Right. What if, like, the, the, the thought was always he wore the black gear to show everybody, I'm not afraid of the heat. But I was afraid he's going to be like, no, dude, they sent me the wrong stuff. Like, I just wanted to be yeah. sure yeah. Like, that like, that legend is actually correct. Well, like the Tim Ferry uh, legend uh, of Motocross the Nations getting vented gear in October from Ford. Yeah. That was just, just accidental. Right? That was just the wrong stuff. Uh, but right. uh, but this – so first, when you first texted Fro, his first comeback to you was, who is this? And that got you upset. <laughs> You, you, were, you yeah. were upset. Yes, I don't have these numbers on <laughs> <in> my phone. <laughs> uh, okay, so Fro says about the black gear, it was really hot, and everybody thought wearing black gear was like suicide. And I won't lie, after the first moto, it really was hot. <laughs> it's yes. Exactly. So he's not even claiming, like, you know, the legend is that, uh, you know, that he was just such a badass. But Fro is saying it was really hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he had the green and white for moto two. Uh, okay, he said, my routine was to have everything on except my goggles and left the Cowie rig and I would walk to the starting line. The entrance to the starting line area, there was just a couple of snow fences with a gap in the middle of the starter's box. And me and J-Bone were the only ones sitting on the line. Everyone else was huddled under a shade tree with ice rags on the back of their necks. And at that point, I knew they were done. 
<laughs> that's pretty badass. That, that is so badass. Not only yeah. with the black gear, he's yeah. the only guy that sat there in the starting game right. early. Yeah. No, and yeah. Uh, and Davey talks about that when we when we call him up. So um Yeah. It's yep. yeah, it's great. So thank you to Damon Huffman. Thanks to Fro. Thanks to Davey. Coming on Lee at Reraceables. Um so they say Bailey and of course uh, Art Bailey and, and Davey. Uh Art says it's 115, 120 with the heat index. Um which I don't even know I'm not a you know, we don't have JT on to be the meteorologist yes. of this group, yes. but uh, I can vouch for that. It was it was really really hot and sweaty, man, and humid. So well, the humidity, right? Yeah, that the was humidity the was key. insane. So, um, yeah, Lampson is of course you know co- coming off. He's a defending champion, and yeah, uh, they they've profiled him in the beginning. Uh, he got knocked out and broke his helmet, and and still raced. <laughs> and Bailey go, Bailey's like, yeah, man, that's really weird. You know, the rest of the day is really weird when you ever you do that when you knock yourself out. Like again, God. not happening today. Not happening today. No, exactly. Another example of what we thought was the highest end cutting edge. Right, right. It's like, yeah, you're going to go race in 115 degree heat index. You probably had a concussion. You <laughs> broke your helmet. Yep. Let's get out there and get some points, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Uh, and surprisingly, uh, Lampson ended up pulling off. He didn't finish. Yeah. Shocking. Shocking. He has a tough day. Uh, in the heat and humidity and knocking himself out. He doesn't quite have it on the day. Yes, uh, RC has a 69-point lead at this point. This is about halfway, just the past halfway of the series. So, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, the kid, it wasn't just Gainesville, everybody. In 97 Gainesville, when we left Gainesville, it was like, ah, he rides here all the time. I distinctly remember people saying that. He rides here all the time. It just wait. But, oh, no, 69-point lead at this point, so... He'd won eight yeah, out of 16 Wyndham motos. Had some bad luck early in the year. I think he had a moto where he dented a pipe yeah, and a moto where his chain came off. Yep. So he had started getting it together and started at least battling Carmichael for race wins. But the points were a wash. And uh, also still pretty good at this point. You know, we did high point 97 with Scott Sheik. Scott Sheik is still legit good. Like the entire 97 Nationals, Sheik was good. Yep. And he's pretty good in this one. I would say this super crossy type track is probably not the good one for him. Right, right. But Sheik, if you look at any national from 97, Sheik is just good. He's just a podium guy. He's just in there every week. Yep. And again, then we had then he had to go to FMF Honda with me in 98. Uh, and uh, With the aluminum frame. Yep. Uh, there's a Mike Brown sighting early on. Mike Brown is, is racing this Troy, Ohio race uh, from the GPs, which I feel like Brownie did quite a bit. Like when he had an open oh, yeah. weekend, and whether yep. he was on Rinaldi, whether he was on uh, Cat Honda, whatever it was, Ren- uh, Brownie was there. So... I was wondering who his mechanic was because, you know, our buddy FMIP, right? What was he doing this weekend? Why wasn't he there? Uh, but, uh, Ryan, uh, we asked FMIP, Randy Richardson, and he said that's Ryan Duff's dad behind Mike Brown as his mechanic. Okay. So there we go. So we got that. Yeah. I don't like how Brownie would come in with the full – he had the black Chesterfield mm-hmm. bike. You know, it's full GP livery. I'm not even – I guess we'd really have to dig into this. Is it even the same bike? Or did he have a work, yeah. a work spike? Uh, I, yeah, who knows? And I don't think who Brownie knows? would know. But yeah, I would No, I would think he'd fly over with a cylinder. Back in these days, you'd fly over with a cylinder and a piston, right, and a head, put it on yeah. a stock bottom end. Okay. You know, and bring your suspension. Okay. So, I, so he, yeah. But he also brought some black yeah, Chesterfield yeah, yeah, Yamaha yeah. plastic with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, by the way, early on, uh, Art mentions that this is a shocking. So this is 97. Art mentions this is Kawasaki's first season of winning 125 and 250 nationals in the same year. And I'm like, what? I know. Like, what? I, I don't understand. I uh, Wardy, 
won, you know, both classes. So then there was nobody else who ever won the other. Like when Billy Lyles won 250s, Morty didn't win 125s that year. Like, I don't understand. I don't get that stat. I, I, I meant to look into it, actually. It totally reminds me, and I failed you. But I, that stat seems unreal. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I really think um, if you look at – if you could draw a chart of, like, Cowie's success, it was, like, Wardy single-handedly for a long time. <laughs> Everywhere where Wardy was. <laughs> right. So he couldn't race both classes in one day. Right. But he probably would have if he was allowed to. <laughs> he could have, and he would have won, yes. yes. yeah. There, there could have been a national where they won both classes with Ward winning all four motos. Right. That would have been possible. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, because Ward won the – uh, 125 national championship and eventually won some 250 national. He times, won 84 125s and 85 250s, and then he won yes. nationals every single year from there. But yeah. are you telling me like, yeah, just just nothing, nothing? I guess not. I, I mean, Bomber never won. Bomber guys didn't... like like Chicken or yeah. they weren't winning a lot of nationals. Yeah, Chicken won Steel City in '89. I guess the... he won a few. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think Art's off on this. I do. I think oh, Art's, okay. You're say maybe it's off. I, I do because um, Chicken won a few. Um, um, we got to think well, of then eventually they Eddie had, Warren. You know, Eddie Dan Warren Lebron won. And Kudrowski winning a lot of 125 races for a while. Eddie Warren won. Kudrowski won. Eddie Warren, yeah. Yeah, Kudrowski won the title. LaRocco you know, should have won a title. This might be Art saying that they were going to win the championship. Because uh, Throw okay. was on the – he didn't say it. Don't I, I, yeah. I rerounded. He did not say it. But Art yeah. might mean – because uh, Emig looked good at this point and Ricky looked good at this point. Well, uh, I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because what this is the beginning of is, you know, we think of it as the beginning of Carmichael, but Carmichael is also the beginning of the full domination of the Mitch Payton, Percy yeah. Kawasaki team. Yep. Now, it is true that they had always had Supercross success from day one when that team was peak Honda. But what I always think is funny. So Mitch is on Honda for the first two years and they win all these Supercross titles. Mm-hmm. And then Honda's like, Mitch, take a hike. We're bringing the 125 factory program back in-house. Yep. And I feel like the narrative on that is Honda, WTF, Mitch delivered all these Supercross titles. Mitch and Pro Circuit came through. But Honda was winning the 125 outdoor title every year. No matter yeah. who they put on the bike, they were just going to win. And then the two years that they had Mitch as their 125 team, they did not win the outdoor title. And then what did they do when they brought an in-house team back uh, with Henry they, and Lampson? They won the outdoor titles. <laughs> yes. So I feel like back then, Honda's like, no, 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 no. Just winning the two Supercross titles is enough. We're supposed to win outdoors. So until this 97 season, the satellite team beating the factories outdoors had never happened. So we think of it as the Carmichael start. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's really the start of the whole modern era of the satellite 125 or 250F team. They'll handle it. They'll win Supercross and Motocross. And it is odd that we'll talk to Huffman about this. You did have a factory Cowie 125 team and the Pro Circuit 125 team. And as Huffman says, they were not the same. Not right. the same bikes right. racing against each other. And this time, Pro Circuit beat the factory team, which I guess for back then, that was a bit of, not massive, but a bit of a breakthrough. Absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah. And uh, and yep. you're right. It's uh, It actually kicks everything off for, for, for a team. I mean, dude, by the time we get into... Um, uh, RV in 450s and and the 250 guys with Pro Circuit like Purcell and Weimer oh. and the, I mean it is just green. I remember at Millville RV and Weimer did really well and then like Purcell and Metcalf and these dudes are sweeping 250 like it's just green everywhere you know uh, they're, they're crushing it and this is the start you're right well 08 uh, I think 
Villapoto won maybe 10 out of 12 overalls, and Stu won every single one. Like, yeah. Cowie won, like, yeah. all but two races out of the both classes combined yep. in 08. Um, Crazy. By the way, and I don't, this is obviously not planned for the broadcast of this race for Toronto 97, but they do, re- they, they do talk to Huffman uh, before practice, and, and he says he likes it, and today should be his day. And then Ricky, they interview Ricky before the for the, and Ricky says Huffman was flying in practice. Now, if you Whoa. go look at Damon Huffman's uh, vault career, uh, or go look at the vault and go look at Troy, Ohio, he is good there, and he talks about that in the, in the coming interview. But uh, so this is a precursor to Huffy going one one. Huffy gets both whole shots and leads every lap. By the way, see you later. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, like we say, Carmichael does start right. close to him. He pulls away. I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of. Uh, I got a 69-point lead. It's freaking hot. And, I get and, beat by Huffman. He's ninth in points. Yeah, n- exactly. And then this guy's not even close to me in points. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, look, it is Carmichael. We know he'd rather die than finish second. So I'm not saying he handed it to him. But I do think on an extremely hot day like this, you get a little more of guys being like, you know what? You're hauling ass. Yeah. You can have it. Yep. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I guess I, the the two, the 125 class is, isn't – much to talk about outside of Damon Huffman, and maybe we should uh, get him on to talk about this day, going 1-1, leading every lap, and bull hole shots. Sure. All right. Let's uh, let's run into, uh, let's talk to the winner, Troy 97, Lee at Re-Raceables. Damon Huffman, here he is. And now joining us on the Lee at Re-Raceables, the man of the hour, the man that we, uh, the man we decided to do this podcast for because it was such a great day for him. Uh, Factory Kawasaki back then, uh, sweeping Troy, Ohio, Damon Huffman, what's up, Huff Daddy? How are you, man? I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're good, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, why can't? Uh, why did you bring this race up to me? We were talking about our Lee at Re-Raceables, and you said your text was 97 Troy, Huffy. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Huffman doesn't know this because we didn't really cross paths much. Uh, my breaks break into the industry uh, were kind of toward the end for you, but what you don't know is that in the 90s, I was a huge Huffman fan. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I hate to say this, but the real reason why is because I rode Suzuki's growing up, and I'm like, he's, he's going to be the one that finally does it. We've had 15 guys not get it done, but Huffman's going to be our guy. But then you switch to Cowie. But I was still a fan, and uh, <laughs> I got to remember the highlights, and this was a good one. Yeah, 97 Troy, definitely at the top of my list of uh, all the cool things I've done. Uh Two hole shots. I think you led every lap. Looks like watching it. Uh, it was so hot that day. Um, it wasn't going well for you outdoors until um, that race, really. Like what? We all we, looking at your results, Huffy. You were always good at Troy. You were always good at Troy. But yes. what was what was that? What was it so good about that day? Well, you know, I had a great. I started off great in '96 with Cowie. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I had a knee injury, and then uh, that kind of screwed screwed everything up. Ninety-seven, we made a bunch of bike changes, which that's eh, kind of a regret I have for looking back at it now. But outdoors, um, I was getting over. I broke the small bone in my lower leg after I won Atlanta Supercross, mm-hmm. and uh, it took me a little bit to get going. Um. I've always loved riding in the the heat. Not so much the humidity, but uh, me and Kudrowski, we used to torture ourselves (laughs) 
and do uh, heat training, but uh, I don't know. So I, I didn't really mind it. The funny thing is about Troy, it was uh, the first time I ever won a first moto. Um, all my other moto wins have always been moto two. Uh, but Troy, yeah, everything came together. Uh, the track, I, I liked the way the track was prepped that weekend. I didn't mind the heat. And my uh, 97 KX125, it uh, it had a lot of mid and top end. And that the starting line at Troy was so long mm-hmm. that I remember I didn't even get a good jump. I was like... Normally, your handlebars get behind the other guy's handlebars, and, and you're done off the start. And I remember my bike just, like, pulling between the, the other 125s all, all the way to uh, hole shotting. Hmm. Nice. So that was really yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I just I just always float on that track. It was like a giant outdoor supercross track. And uh, I liked it. Um, I was there that day. My rider didn't make the motos. Uh, but Huffy, how hot was it? Good God, dude. It was so bad. Uh, well, uh, another cool thing is, I don't know if you remember from that race, uh, AXO, I, I was wearing like a giant, it was like a ventilated hockey jersey. The thing was huge. <laughs> um, and I was known for, I would, you know, just start the moto off with uh, – just soaking wet, just water poured all over me. Uh, that eventually would just dry up in the heat. But um, mm-hmm. I, I remember just my my feet felt like they were just burning up. And I was just so riding so uh, just loose and free and just trying to conserve my energy. But uh, it, it was pretty awesome, especially uh, I think RC pretty much started in second place mm-hmm. behind me, both motos. Um, and uh, just one of those days, huh? One of those days. One of those days. Yeah. I, I can even remember what I had for breakfast on that day. <laughs> you know? What was it? What was it? Well, I went to breakfast by myself. And I had uh, like three eggs, a bowl of oatmeal, and some wheat toast, and um, bacon. <laughs> and Did you eat that at the next race? <laughs> I've tried that combo many times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, I am impressed, though, to hear about the heat training. Because, dude, again, I was okay. a Huffman fan. So I was always mad, dude. MXA. They were always taking shots at you, claiming that you did yeah. not train. So then the gnarliest race of all is where you put in your best results. So you were putting in the work for days like this. Oh, for sure. I've won second motos at Southwick in the heat and humidity, um, Hangtown. But no, I trained, but it was a lot of riding. I was always serious about my training and getting in the time on the bike and doing motos. Um, Yeah, all the gym stuff. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of people doing that back then a little bit, not mm-hmm. like now, but I always put in the seat time and the motos and I never had a problem with endurance, but so Kudrowski and I 
when I was racing, I never used the air conditioner in the car. Whether <laughs> I was at home, it would be it would be only if I was on a date or my mom was in the car. Okay. But there was there was no AC, no AC, just uh, only the vent on. So, I mean. Uh, back then, 94, 95, Mike and I, we rode a lot together and we would drive all the way to Yucca Valley in the middle of summer when it's 118, no AC, only the vent on with the windows up, you know, <laughs> our, our, our two 35 minute motos, you know, just with, you know, I would never bring enough water or Gatorade or anything and drive you know, the two hours back home in the car in the middle of the day, no AC. I don't know if that's doing it right, but I don't think, uh, I don't think guys would really do that nowadays. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't so. think it's recommended actually. I don't think that's what you're actually probably, supposed to do. I think it it's, probably yeah. isn't, but, um, it's actually unsafe. It, it's actually unsafe. Huffy. It, um, you know, it was a form of torture, but you really, you have to push your body in, in that type of extreme heat. Mm -hmm. And I was always good about, you know, getting enough rest and the importance of sleep. And uh, I, I had a little heat episode once in, at 93 Hangtown, a little heat stroke action. And from that point on, I always hydrated really well at the races but I was known. I was known for you know two-hour mountain bike rides and uh, not even bringing a water bottle. I, I did that a lot. <laughs> you know, you, you had a uh, you had to push yourself, and that's that's all we knew back then, or all I knew. Yeah. Um, uh, do you feel that there were races that you came into? Did you get enough rest, or were there races you came in here and like, uh, if I look back now, I actually had overdone it, or did you manage that pretty well? Um. I don't know. I always felt, you know, uh, I, I think some weekends just as kind of natural for your body to feel, uh, have a little more ener energy at times. But, um, yeah. um, you know, I would always get a rest day in there on, you know, traveling or whatever, or, you know, be able to sleep in at the hotel a little bit, whatever it was. But um, I'm, I'm not too up on uh, all these different viruses or writers claim to have nowadays i'm not really sure <laughs> yeah clearly and if you told kurdowski you had it he'd probably just laugh at you and tell you to get in the car and roll the window up uh, exactly right right yeah <laughs> mike mike's i remember mike told me because we're both from uh we we're living in acton uh -huh. and at one point we're both leading the the motocross championship and he was always like man it'd be so cool for we're both from the same little town and we both win. I win two fifties, he win one twenty fives. But um yeah, with with Mike, I, I remember af, after one of the nationals, he's like, How did you feel? And I'm like, Oh, I, I, I still I feel pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel fresh. Thinking I'm in good shape, therefore um I didn't get that tired. Right. And he looked at me and he's like no, man, that, that's completely wrong. <laughs> just, just feel beat down, hammered, nothing in you, wasted. And 
so I, I kind of, I thought about that and I'm like, yeah, I, I think that's a better way to look at it. You just got to lay everything out there all the way to the final lap. Um, and uh, yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of motos where, you know, honestly, if Troy was one more lap, it, it would have been really hard to finish. Really? Uh, it's, yeah. 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 You, yeah. sa- you said that in the Cycle News quotes, but I didn't know if that was, like, you know, that could be just a, a, a rider thing to say. But you're being serious. <laughs> if it was one more lap. <laughs> well, uh, because I'm 45 years old and I really don't care what people think, I'll, I'll even give you more information. Okay, please do. Yeah. <laughs> more, more information here that, well, screw it. Only a few people know about this. I cross the finish line of the second moto. Mm-hmm. Then where they did the interview, I think I pulled off my boots and I I basically just let my bladder loose. <laughs> I, I don't know if you're if you're pre- prepared to hear that, but yeah. yeah, I just in my gear, I was already soaking wet. Yeah. I had just hosing myself with the water, but um just, yeah it, it all came it out you left it all out it there came, yep <laughs> yep oh that's actually funny. i gotta say you must have been fairly well hydrated that you actually had anything left i did at that point yeah yeah <laughs> that's uh, actually a good sign <laughs> did did this race make lunas happy yeah was did, 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 did you remember brian at least being a little happy uh, um I think, uh, sorry, man, I, I'm, my, my son has high school orientation. I'm just, he's going to hop out of the car. Okay. And, uh, we're going to continue. Big step. Big step here. All right. All right. We're good. All good. So, yeah, Luna's had some pretty high standards. I mean, Luna's, it was pretty much, uh, like just having, um, uh, a continuation of my dad being my mechanic, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, to the looking back on it now, uh, they just wanted the absolute best out of me. But at the time it'd be like, I would still win a race, but maybe I started in fifth mm-hmm. and it'd be like, well, what happened on the start? You know, that kind of, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's like, well, I won. You know, so looking back on it now, they always wanted improvement or continue to get uh, better. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure Lunas, the whole team, I mean, with Emig going 1-1 as well, uh, it it was an awesome day. Yeah, you didn't do the black gear like Fro, but uh, it was a, a similar day. Yeah, he was great. Fro was great. Yeah, that was amazing for him, too. Uh, you mentioned the gear, actually. Yeah, so uh, I'm assuming if you think of your 97 stuff, which back then we thought Axel was awesome. It was on the cutting edge. It was great. But is it, if you look back now, unbelievably thick and heavy compared to what the guys would be <laughs> racing in the heat these days? Um, I, I don't even know what they wear now. It, it's like, are they wearing spandex? I'm not it really looks that way. Sure. Yeah, it, it mostly is, right? It's, it's super tight, and it's uh, really, really lightweight. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, well, it might actually feel pretty good to ride in. 
I imagine. But uh, yeah, it's all it's just all we knew, you know. Probably the stuff I was wearing was way better than the stuff in the eighties and seventies. That's True. right. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, um, Huffy, I'm interested. So at this point in the year, this kid from Florida, he'd won eight eight out of sixteen motos. And again, okay. I, I was around then, and when he won Gainesville, we all said, ah, it's his hometown track, Ricky. It's his hometown <laughs> track. You know what I mean? And then he lost – I think he loses Hangtown to Lampson, right, Weege? I think Lampson no, gets him on Hangtown. So. He, he won quite a few until they got to the mud. Okay. It, it, maybe he went – It so, was starting to happen. So yeah. we were, I remember being plenty of people being like, ah, it's Gainesville. You know, just wait. He rides there all the time. Which, uh-huh. Whatever. So I'm interested, though – Preseason, like, did you see? Did you go out to test sessions with RC and the pro circuit guys, and see that this kid was amazingly good outdoors? And, and like, did you kind of think that Ricky winning was something he could do that first year? Um, I probably, uh, probably not really. Okay, probably not really. I mean, of course, that all he's ever done is win through 60s and 80s mm-hmm. and, and moving up. But uh, the only testing we did, I remember doing, um, we went out with Pro Circuit and I, I ran their motor. Then we did some motor swaps and compared it to our, our in-house Kawasaki motor. Mm-hmm. And I, I pretty much stayed with everything uh, in-house. Okay. Yep. Um, on the 125. And uh, Ricky was fast. Yeah. Uh, fast and, you know, and little. But <laughs> he, uh, uh, I, I guess going into that that season, I uh, uh, it's just incredible what he has done. And, uh, you know, he's never lost an outdoor title, if you really, if you think about that. And two, what, two perfect seasons, it's just... Mm-hmm. absolutely incredible but uh at, at the time i probably would have thought you know he's gonna win but maybe not pull off a championship right away right um when you signed with cowie you know it was it was a a big big signing um you were courted by a few different teams you'd come off two supercross titles Weege was very excited you know you were the guy um <laughs> yep um <laughs> Did were you perfectly fine with riding 125 outdoors? Because like nowadays that would never happen, right? Like like they would never sign a guy, a factory team, and put you on a 125 outdoors. They they have satellite teams for that, so it didn't it doesn't yeah. happen now. But looking back, like that was perfectly fine to do 250 Supercross and 125 outdoors, or was that something that Cowie said we really want you to do this? Or were you were you okay with it? Uh, I was I was totally okay with it. Okay. I don't remember it like being like what I want to yeah, be yeah. on the big bike. Right. You know, okay. They yeah, had yeah. they had Rhino and Fro. I, I think that was their plan the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Different yeah. different time back then. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, yep. Uh, Weege? Yeah. So uh, you so your bike and Carmichael's bike, the Pro Circuit team, and then you being a factory in twenty five, they were not the same. It was quite a bit different. It sounds like they were. Yeah, we ran our, our own, you know, it was all about uh, uh, Rick Ash doing the motors and uh, Brett Leaf on the suspension with the, our Kayaba stuff. But it was totally in-house Cowie. Uh, 
I, I even floated around on, uh, we ran an FMF pipe at one time and uh, some pro circuit pipes. Oh, wow. And yeah. We were, yeah, we were kind of open to whatever worked best. But um, I remember one day of outdoor testing where we ran the pro circuit setup and versus uh, my, my setup and they were a little different feeling and I, I just went with the in-house stuff. Mm -hmm. Yep. So and now we look was... back. It's, it's cool because, uh, and we were texting about this yesterday. Uh, Carmichael started behind you in both motos and you pulled away. So back then it was like, Hey, Huffman's been around. He's won races before good on him. But now it's like, Oh, we now realize that that was the greatest of all time. Uh, so you have to look <laughs> back at that with like exceptional <laughs> pride, maybe even more than you might've on that day. Cause now we know how good he turned out to be. <laughs> uh yeah uh, i mean it, it, looking back on it what do you, you have i think uh wyndham has beat him straight up i think Raynard one time straight up uh maybe what tortelli dowdy yeah there's only yeah there's not too many no and that was there's at like, southwick so i don't know if that counts like, yeah <laughs> but oh for sure um you know, everyone knows a Carmichael name. And so when I, I talk to people that really don't know a whole lot about uh, my racing days and, oh, yeah, I, I beat Carmichael on this day, both motos. And they're like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it, it's, it's, it's special to me uh, that weekend for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it would be. It's, it's one of those days, like you said, just you were untouchable, right? Just one of those days. You had your three eggs, your oatmeal, your bacon, and you were untouchable in these uh -huh. in incredible conditions. That these gnarly conditions. I mean, Alberton is. Uh, Weege watched it earlier. I haven't got to that point yet, but Alberton's laid out on the grass after the race. I mean, this guys are dropping like flies. Lampson pulls off. Bradshaw goes back. I mean, it's just there's so many guys go you know struggling that day so yeah 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 and it was nothing special no i didn't have any special uh formula you know energy drink mix it was it right. was just water gatorade bananas <laughs> uh you know pouring water on myself on the starting line and um just conditioned i i, I truly believe what i put, would put myself through during the week would help me in those situations um, you you signed a three year deal with Cowie, or was it a four year deal? Because I I thought it was a three year deal, and then I see that you rode the we see that you rode there in ninety nine. Did you re up with them for one year, or was that original deal a four year deal? It was a three year deal. Okay. Um, and you know, I had I had offers from from Suzuki, but mm -hmm. I, I I knew Suzuki didn't have a great two fifty during those years, but. Uh, I had a Honda deal, which I had a two-year Honda ride, and I even went out to their test track out in the Mojave Desert. I rode a Lampson's 250 and had the contract. I loved the bike. The, the, bike, the bike was amazing. It was basically Jeremy's, you know, bike. And, but I had a two-year AXO deal. I had a two-year AXO deal for 95-96. Then Honda for 96, you had to wear Fox. Right. And uh, 
Axo was would not, uh, you know, terminate the contract. So then ultimately Kawasaki came in with a three-year deal, a little more money and uh, some other perks with, you know, jet skis and a street bike. And, you know, <laughs> <it's> just, uh, <laughs> You're like, sweet. <laughs> you know, on paper, the Cowie deal was, was sweeter, mm-hmm. but uh, – it's kind of fun to think about um, if I was on that 96 Honda for that one season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then you would have had to ride the 97. I know. So uh, that, that would have been crazy, <laughs> but uh, who knows? Yep. Oh, well. I mean, it wasn't like Cowie. I mean, yes, Honda was the gold standard. You know, at that point, Jeremy was winning and a hundred other guys before him, but Cowie was no joke at that time either. Absolutely. No, I, I, uh, I, I didn't have any, any uh like bad feelings or like i wasn't disappointed i was totally happy with cowie uh and i always i often say my 96 kx250 my supercross bike is one of my favorite bikes of all time that thing it, it was just so we got that thing so dialed we did so much testing and it was just a combination of me being in my absolute prime uh, with a really good bike uh, and a, a great team around me. And uh, I, I think I had four second-place finishes behind Jeremy uh, and, until I, you know, kicked it into neutral on an on-off yeah. corner of the bars. But yeah, do you, do you remember, yeah. Weege, do you remember Huffy getting Jeremy back at Seattle and Art oh, just about yeah, losing course. his mind? Art was Art was screaming. Art was oh, freaking yeah. out. It was, Us. Nobody, yeah. nobody passes Jeremy back. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the storyline, though. I mean, yeah. you were always looking for, okay, this is the guy that's on top. Who's going to be the guy to challenge him? So it was an obvious, like, the guy that just won the last two 125 titles. Maybe that was a little early. Mm-hmm. It was only four or five races into your full-time 250 career, but it's... That's what you're hoping for now, right? Like, who's going to challenge? Who's going to be the next guy to challenge? But, uh, yeah, so 97, was it those injuries started chipping away at you, or was the bike not the same in 97? Because after those first half of 96, I'm like, well, give him another year, and he'll be dominating. So was it not the same the next couple of years, that, uh, as that bike? Um, yeah, kind of. I, I would say one mistake I made was going into 97 – it, um, you think, oh, you know, every year the bike gets better. You know, you right. ride in 96, 97 comes out, a little different bike, little improvements here and there, newer stuff from Japan's coming over. Uh, and we went back to the drawing board trying to improve and improve and, and improve. And I think being young, I, I probably got a little lost and a little caught up in – wanting to ride the, the, the newer stuff where Imig Imig comes in and he's like, ah, I'm just going to stick with the 96, my old setup. And I think Rhino and I looked at that as him just being kind of lazy. Uh, you know, Jeff would always show up a little bit later than us. Then like, Hey guys, I I got a massage at three. I'm going to have to roll out at two. Um, but he was confident and he knew what he liked and he, he stuck with it and him and J bone were a great team. Uh, and I, I just kind of felt like 
the youngest guy on the team, I, I needed to put in the time on the test track and test everything. And we, we had a good setup, but looking back on it now, uh, it was different than it was. It did feel different than my 96. And I, I don't know why I did that because at the time in 96, I, I've never, I, I didn't have one issue with the bike at all. It, it was just so, so perfect. I felt so comfortable on it. Yeah. 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 So, That's what you learn, right? It's what you learn through the years. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Kind of like, like Jeremy, you know, what, 93 to 96, he yeah. kind of ran the same bike basically. And, yep. Um, so I, I don't know. Well, it, uh, it all worked out. It did. What a day. Lee at Re-Raceables, Maxis and Blends all on board. What a day. Troy, Ohio, 97, Huffy. That's awesome. Where's the where's the plaque? Where's the trophy? Uh, let's see. I don't even know. Oh, boy. I, I, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you know, back then, the our trophies were so – they were such crap. Yeah, they I weren't remember, great. No, they weren't great. I remember, uh, you know, riding to the point of almost passing out winning the second moto at 95 uh, Southwick and uh, it was for it was for second overall but my trophy I I got a an egg glue little like ice chest you would carry between your front seats in your car is <laughs> that oh yeah an, an egg an egg glue ice chest then it, it said like uh, you know Southwick Massachusetts on it. <laughs> Here you go. Here's and, an ice chest and a little pl- and a plastic trophy. Right, right. Oh boy. But, uh, 97 Troy, man. I'm trying to. I, I I'm sure I have it in a box. Okay. But the trophy itself, it, it doesn't stand out in my mind. You yeah. Kind of like, you know, Washougal's trophies or some other trophies I've won. I mean, they they're so big now, Huffy. The riders have to ship them home. They can't take them. You know, they're so awesomely crafted and big and, you know, the riders are like, I, I got to ship this home. I can't, I can't oh, take really? this. Oh, yeah. They're huge. They're like, they're works of art. They're really cool. Um, hmm. But yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that 98 US Open trophy. Uh, I wish I had that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that was cool. Well, uh, awesome. Anything else for Huffy, Weege? Uh Just give people an update. What do you do uh, these days? What are you up to? What am I up to? I, well, I think some may know, some may not. Uh, I'm, uh, I work for the Los Angeles Police Department. I'm actually on a motorcycle. I'm a motorcycle officer. Yeah. So I, That's I ride, awesome. a, uh, <laughs> I ride a, a BMW uh, 1200RT. And my, uh, my partners uh, who work with me, uh, still make fun of me because I ride with my elbows up. <laughs> All right, Huffman, I, I can't tell if you're going to chase someone or hit a jump. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, elbows are out, you know, but. You're like, listen, this is 40 years of riding. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, every time I, I put the helmet on and buckle it, it you know, I've been doing this, the same thing for, you know, 40 plus years. Even. What what gets me through? 
I don't, I wouldn't say I, I don't love what I do, but it's a great job. Job, It's a great career. Uh, um, and all we do pretty much all day long is help people. Um, we write tickets when tickets need to be, you know, people mm-hmm. need to be accountable for driving like <laughs> idiots. But uh, main thing is, is uh, traffic accidents or working high crime areas and just the high visibility of us being on, on bikes and right. stopping people or, you know, impounding cars, cleaning up the streets here and there. But, um, oh, what I, what I was getting to is I, I still do everything the same. I'll put my left glove on first, then my right, my left boot, my right. <laughs> I, I, I put my, my bulletproof vest on the same way I used to put my chest protector on, you know, yeah, leave, yeah. leave one side strapped and put my arm through, then strap the other side only. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a routine and I, I get to, to ride and I ride around with uh, a lot of good guys and we'll be hooked up on uh, the Bluetooth or headsets and, you know, be talking all day or and on the street i don't i don't ride fast i'm i'm pretty cautious i'm aware of everything around me mm-hmm. i i'm very calculated um i don't like to take a chance and split cars at high speed or just run the gutter lane um so once in a while we'll be hooked up on our our headsets and um i'll do a maneuver like to get around some traffic and they'll be like oh about time, Huffman. What's up? You know? <laughs> wow. And, and then I'll be like, hey, do you know who I used to be? You know, yeah. I'll throw something back at them. But, uh, That's great. Uh, I love hearing so, this story, though. And the reason I asked was because, uh, you know, I think it's cool to know that, okay, you were all in at a very young age. You know, I'm sure fully focused on nothing but motocross. But it did yeah. still set you up, you know, to have a – a regular job, so to speak, and a normal life. And I, I would assume some of the things you learn from racing, I don't know if it's discipline or organization, whatever. Uh, it wasn't like you retired and you're like, uh, I have no skills. There's nothing I can do for the next 50 years. So it's kind of nice to hear that you fell into something uh, after racing. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a point where I, I struggle. You, you struggle with, uh, you know, your whole identity with, who you used to be or, you know, you used to do autographs all the time and just have, you know, stuff handed to you and everything was basically for free and <laughs> everyone was there to help you, you know, do your best, whether, uh, you know, it was having people make you food and, you know, here's your goggles they are ready. Your bike is spotless and ready to go with new tires. Um, um, it's kind of like it's a hard grind. Racing is gnarly. It's probably the gnarliest sport you can do. I mean, I don't know what other sport you you cannot even crash or hit the ground, and you you still leave the race all beat up. Yep. Um, but um, so going through probation and all that was was definitely. Um, it was very, very difficult and I would have for sure just quit and walked away from it. But, but, you know, I have a a wife and three kids 
Um, racing was great. I, I think just living in California and, um, you know, I still, I still have to bring in some money. It definitely set me up in life. It set me up, you know, at, at one point, you know, I had rental homes and, and things like that. But then you start to home prices starts to go up and you, you know, make a couple mistakes here and there. Then it's like, well, shoot. Uh, You're like, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, that goes quick. That's right. That's right. But, yeah, but it's a happy ending. At least you don't have to go to the test track every day and uh, and uh, well, do stopwatch a pit board for, for a whole bunch of eight-year-olds because uh, that's all some people end up doing. So I just yeah. think it's cool that you found real work. Well, and, and also to tie it back in, Kodowski's the same way. He He's a construction guy, and he's just working. And, like, he doesn't, you know, he just kind of doesn't, you know, doesn't really hang around like you, Huffy, just doing their I, thing. Yeah, well – um, I, I mean, I, I miss my old racing days and, uh, the traveling was really tough. I didn't want to do the traveling anymore. Honestly, I did it. I did it for 17 years. Um, and I, I feel lucky enough to be still in one piece piece and still really, uh, fairly healthy with the body. So, um, so I, I kind of wanted a break, break away from racing, and I wanted a second career. And I, I tried the fireman thing for a couple years, but um, honestly, at my age and my my basic requirements for a firefighter, uh, of course, I would hire that kid in their early twenties mm-hmm. with a college degree and paramedic school, and a lot younger, fitter, stronger than a you know kind of a beat up motocross guy but uh, (laughs) police work is totally different you know they're handing you a they're gonna trust you with carrying a a weapon so you're being able to perform under pressure having a a a cool calm demeanor um that goes a long ways just your your life experience sure and all that. So that's kind of what they look at more so than, oh, here's a young kid. He's, he's young and strong and fit. And uh, we can teach him to roll up a hose. Um, <laughs> so the police stuff, like I said, it wasn't my first choice. But I'm in a good spot now. I, I feel most comfortable being on a bike. And we have we have a lot of freedom. I mean, we show up to roll call. We go through roll call. Then we're just on our own. We're on our own all day. And I get to ride my bike home from work. Uh, so commuting, uh, commuting is really nice. And uh, have you ever pulled over someone who knew who you were, or did you ever let someone go because they knew who you were, or they had a dirt bike in the back of the truck, or anything? Um, <laughs> uh, that would call. That would be called bias policing. Oh, okay. Get fired if I were to, no. Um, <laughs> I've I've been in the middle of an intersection because of a car accident, mm-hmm. directing traffic mm-hmm. in downtown LA, and had a guy roll by, look at me. He already had his window down in his car, mm-hmm. and he just yells out the window. Huffman, yeah, man, to watch you race, <laughs> just, just like that, and I'm like, yeah, thanks, man, right on, and 
shoot back to you know waving cars through yeah, but yeah. i mainly on the job i would come across a lot of firemen a lot of fire guys you know ride and mm-hmm. race yep. and um so all the time those guys are like man oh we used to watch you race uh but it, it's happened just very randomly that's funny but as far as like on a traffic stop um I don't know. I yeah. pulled over Dennis Dennis Rodman once. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, down in uh, San Pedro. Oh, that's um, odd, Rodman getting pulled over. That's odd. <laughs> yeah. He was actually the passenger. So, okay. um, you know, of course, you're going to recognize him. And I told him, hey, I met you back in the day. Back in the 90s, we were in Dallas, and we went to this dealership uh, signing, and you were there buying some, you know, I think jet skis at the time. And he actually remembered. Oh, wow. Like, that was, uh, you, you were there back in the, yeah, I was there. He remembered <laughs> buying those jet skis. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool. Oh, that's funny. Uh, also, Weege, before we let him go, uh, Huffy's in a great spot, too, because he has an intense taser like I do. So, uh, yeah, I do see oh. following you on social. Yes. Uh, yeah, you are an e-bike guy like Mathis. Big he's time. e-bike yeah. taser nation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm addicted to that thing, man. It, it's been, it's been just so good for me to, uh, it's the most, most fun I've ever had on a mountain bike, honestly. And I don't know. I'll, I'll do a little plug on my, uh, I don't know if you've seen my YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's been a lot of fun, just kind of putting little videos together. But um, <laughs> I, I've been having a good time, and that's something that my boys and I do. They're they're more into mountain biking, and uh, it's we have a good time together. That's but, awesome. Yeah, you know, when – when I'm on top of a hill and for the fourth time climbing up on my e-bike and I, I've gotten a little grief out there on the trails, like, you know, Oh, you're on an e-bike. And I, I just told one guy, Hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna apologize for having more fun than you. Oh, and, nice. That's a good <laughs> one. Know, I like that one. Yeah. Off, you know, right. I like but, that. I'll holster uh, that. I'll holster that one for my comebacks too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But for me being a moto guy, the e-bike instantly i felt more confident i felt more in control uh more stable with jumping cornering and just at higher speeds um and you still got to work you know that thing's only going to help you it helps on the uphills but downhill is heavier but for me i feel more natural on it It, it's the stability and and jumping like everything my whole my whole mountain biking uh, just went up a whole notch with um, just mainly confidence and just liking the extra weight. It doesn't feel like it's going to get away from you like a, a lightweight mountain bike will if you jump and pull up or yeah. try to whip it and the thing's going way sideways on you. But I've really been enjoying it a lot. Well, thanks, man. And uh, we've uh, enjoyed the time with you here on the Lee at Reraceables. 97 Troy, Ohio. Damon Huffman, one one. What a day. What a ride. Um, <laughs> thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, you guys are very welcome. And I I enjoy talking about 
you know, the good old days and my, my memory is still pretty good. I, that's a typical racer. You know, we can kind of, uh, some years kind of merge together, but the highlights, <laughs> I mean, I can go on and on about little details of that day or what we did prior or yeah. I remember, you know, taking a, a dip in a trash can full of water after the race or just little things It, um, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll remember those uh, the rest of my life. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Awesome. Right. Thank Huffman. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff, Weege. I appreciate you throwing in the uh, <laughs> what he's doing now, and the, the bike cop stories are great. They're great. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. I just, as I said with him, I, I just think it's awesome to hear uh, that sometimes motocross does serve mm-hmm. as a nice jumping off point to you know, a nice regular life and not like, man, I sacrificed everything for this. I got a little bit of money in the bank, but the next 30 years of my life, I'm lost. I, I don't know what to do. I didn't know you were a Huffy guy. That's that's oh, breaking huge. news to me. I did not huge know. Huffy guy. Right. But I think it threw him a little bit because I was a Huffy guy because of the Suzuki thing. And then he, he abandoned the RM army. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. But I can't really blame him because... You know, we we saw how those bikes were, like when McGrath got on it, as we'll talk about in this particular race. Yeah. The RM250 maybe wasn't the choice at that time. Yeah. So he probably made the right move. But yeah, uh, I had Suzuki's growing up, and I was, I'd always heard that Suzuki used to be good, which I could never understand. Like, you know, apparently in the Bomber Howerton days, or even go all the way back to DeCoster, they were good. But I grew up basically like Suzuki just sucked all the time. <laughs> so... I was just waiting. I'm like, one of these guys, yeah. one of these guys is going to show everyone that we we can do it. it. So Huffman was so, like, I say, I'm going to say this. Huffman, 94, 95, 125 Supercross, to me, is as good as any 125 Supercross racer ever. He's right up there with the best ever. He was pretty good. He, I can't. Yep. And that bike was good. The Suzuki 125 yep. was good. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. Is it Berlut? Yeah, Berlut, was Berlut tuned. Yeah. Yep. I went over to Balut's house the other day for some work, and there sits a uh, basically a full Damon Huffman. Ninety, what year was he? Twenty, number twenty. Ninety-four. Uh, I think that was ninety-four because he was twelve and ninety-five. Okay, so yeah. there's a basically yep. there's a ninety-four, uh, pretty much factory bike sitting there uh, covered in six inches of dust. Yeah, and also he was very good. Man, that is awesome. I'd love to see that because those bikes look they did looked sweet. Yep. But also what I was impressed with with Huffman, Suzuki had had a variety. Suzuki was winning the 125 Supercross title a lot. They won a lot of those. Yeah. Um, Swink, Huffy, uh, yeah, Tim Ferry. I mean, Titchener, you go on and on. Todd yeah. the Hoop. Like, right. They were just sticking guys on those bikes and they'd win. But Huffman was no slouch outdoors. Like He won some nationals, 93, 94. He led the points for and a while, 95. I think. Yep. What's that? I think he led the points for a while in 95. 95, he led the points yep. most of the year. Um, it was him and Rhino at the top battling, and then eventually Lampson, because Honda almost automatically won, eventually pulls off this epic comeback from like 60 points back. But yeah, he did lead the points most of the year. So he was no slouch outdoors. I'm like, this guy's the yeah. real deal. This guy's awesome. We are going to go to the top. We are going to take down McGrath. I, I, did, uh, I did not know yeah. that you were, you were there, Juan Huffy. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think an underrated rider for sure. And again, like what we mentioned in the phone call, dude, you dominated Ricky Carmichael outdoors and the list is short and I don't care if you do it once or you do it, you know, 10 times, the list is short and that's something to be cool. Pr- pretty proud about. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Elbows up. And Huffy. Huffman, uh, Elbows up. He Huffy. shows. What's that? <laughs> Elbows up. Huffy. <laughs> oh, 
Dude, he did, but he actually did ride that way. Yeah, like, he did. It, it's fitting. He did. He, yeah, the style was great. Yep. And uh, he, it, he really shows, Huffman shows how difficult this sport is. Like, all the tools were there. Uh, from what we hear in this call that we just had, like he was putting in the work. We know Kawasaki was very, very good at the in those days. And it just didn't work out. He won one 250 race ever, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it just shows, like, I'll, I'll just give a parallel right now. Like, when you see, say, Chase Sexton, right? It would appear that there's no way that Sexton is not going to figure this out. Or, or AC, right? They're going to figure it out. It's, they're they're going to win races. They're going to win titles, right? It's impossible. All the pieces are there. But Huffman shows how difficult that actually is. All the pieces were there. It just he didn't win like we thought he would. You never, you never know. No, you don't. You don't. You're you're right. Yep. Like like yeah, In the gnarliest, um, toughest class. If you go back, it doesn't matter who you are or who you're riding for. It doesn't always happen. If you go back to when Damon Huffman was, you know, ninety seven, ninety five Suzuki, and if you had said, "Is Damon Huffman gonna, you know, gonna have the most amazing career ever?" Everyone would be like, "Yep." Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And as we alluded to, the first couple rounds of his rookie year, 96, he's already pushing McGrath. Yep. For race wins. Um, if you tell anybody then he's going to win one 250 Supercross his whole career, you'd be like, what? No, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But, but here we are. You know, we're waiting for Cien Cirillo and Sexton to even get one. Like, there are no guarantees. Uh, Leit.com for more information on knee braces, boots, uh, riding gear, helmets, goggles, neck braces. Uh, we'll give you a code if you want to save it, Leit, if you use the uh, contact form on pulpamex.com. Thanks to the folks at Max's Tires. Uh, Alex Ray, the coach of Rod Bell, uh, using Max's Tires. Uh, Rod Bell, Max's Tires, Jeremy Smith qualified really well this past weekend at Unadilla and, and did a good job for, for Jay Smith riding in the sand pits of Jersey. That's where he practices. Uh, yeah. Using Couch's Max's Tires. Pit, we call it. What is Couch's it? Pit. Couch's Pit. Oh, okay. There's actually a name got for a it. Got a name. All right. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Smith, Max's Tires, MXSTs uh, developed by. The uh, 97 Troy 250 uh, third-place guy, Jeremy McGrath, uh, using uh, developed Maxxis tires, MXSTs. So mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires, Maxxis.com for more information. Thank you to those guys for supporting this podcast. And also Blenzall, Hunter Slauger, a couple weeks ago, did really well. Uh, he's a Blenzall guy. Uh, Mike Alessi's a Blenzall guy. Uh, Jerry Robin. Um, yeah, we, uh, and then, of course, the GNCC guys, they love Blenzall. Yeah, you're putting the stuff to the test when you're a privateer. Or you're a GNCC guy. You're, we talk about this every show. Bryson Neal on a quad in GNCCs. It's really pushing everything to limit. So I feel like you got to show a little extra respect. If it's a privateer or a GNCC quad type guy, uh, you got to figure they are really stressed on reliability being very important to their program. So go where they go. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, Bryson Neal was beating Walker Fowler, which was a big deal, and he's a Blenzall guy. Uh, full line of 2T and 4T racing lubricants. Visit Blenzall.com and follow them at Blenzall on Instagram again. And uh, yeah, man, the 800 is getting back into riding after he's had a wrist injury there, or a hand injury, and he is using Blenzall. I saw his uh, he wrote a... Uh, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's 285 or 250 or whatever he's got going yeah. on. Uh, yep. And he's got Blenzall in there. So... Oh, yeah. um, thanks to those guys. And again, if you want to, if you want to blend some oil, we're going to give one away. We're doing every re-raceables pod. Uh, use the contact form at pulpmex.com. Just put oil or Blenzol or something in the subject line, and we'll pick a random listener and give you a, a prize from the folks at Blenzol. So a um, couple things with this race. Uh, first of all, Brian Roth. 
Good shot. Good start for Brian Roth, running up, up top five for a little while. Uh, 255, extreme gear. Same gear as a Ty Birdwell back in the day. Um, there's a Kenny Watson interview. Again, Davey was busy because uh, Scott Sheik was running was right up there for a while. Our buddy Ping was up there for a while. No, no, no. You got to reverse. Yes, Kenny oh. was the mechanic for Sheik in Sheik's privateer days, but Kenny was now the mechanic for Oh, what am I out. thinking? What am I thinking? Sorry. Brian D. Running in a podium position. Brian Working Deegan. his way up. Yeah. Didn't start in first and run third. Yep. He started like sixth and moved his way to third. The Brian Deegan. And Davey says that Brian Deegan is on the metal militia bike. And then right. da- and then Davey corrects and says Moto Triple X. So oh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's pretty funny that the metal militia somehow came to Davey's mind in 96 because this was the very beginning, of, or 97, I should say. This is the very beginning of that. So, uh, yeah, yeah Brian, kind of, kind of funny. Master already planting seeds with the right people. And remember, this is Deegan's Supercross year. And so earlier this year, Davey Watson tells a story at LA Coliseum when Deegan won that he was telling Davey, interview me. My guy's going to win. Davey, you want to interview? And Davey's like, nah, because Renard was no. up front or whatever. And then, of course, <laughs> Deegan ended up winning. So I don't know if that's true uh, okay. or just a Watson uh, okay. story. <laughs> but, yeah, so what, there's a Kenny Watson interview because uh, of, of Deegan running up front there for a little while. Um, there's two interviews with, with Mike Gosler, checking in with him first. And then when, when, when Lamson pulls off another one, um, so that's good. And then I don't know if you caught this, this was, this was awesome. And I thought about texting this gentleman to get his thoughts on this. When Mike Craig pulls off and Dean Baker goes over to him, did you happen to notice that Weege? It was a great exchange. <laughs> so it's- Mike Craig's on to Troy. He pulls off in the mechanics area. I don't know what's going on, but, uh, Dean Baker's disgusted with whatever Mike Craig said is wrong. Yes. Yeah, you just see some gesturing and some talking, and then Baker just turns and walks away very angry. Exactly. Yeah, who knows, man. Uh, So I like that. I like that part of it also. Um, There also is a – and this might be during the 250 race, which we'll we'll get to right away. There also is a a feature with Scott Sheik's mechanic, who's Factory Honda, of course, with Bobby Weindorf. Bobby Weindorf was Sheik's mechanic at Factory Honda. And all of us mechanics, right? Like, we, you know, we all hung out. We all knew each other. We knew who was who. And I think he came from the road race end of things. And nobody knew this guy. I don't think anybody talked to him. And he was one and done. And Bobby Weindorf was gone in 98. The only thing I knew, I did hear about the road racing thing that he came from there. But I, I do remember when he would do these interviews with Davey, he seemed like the happiest guy on earth. The yeah. dude seems so pumped on life. Uh, but, yeah, so when the factory Honda team went to FMF, he was never heard from again? I never never heard from again. I just think he was a road race guy that they pulled over for a year, and then he's gone. And then – because there was like – because Watson wanted the job, right, because he was Sheik's mechanic in 96. Yeah, yeah. And lots yep. of guys wanted the job because they knew that they were – I mean, I was not in the running. But there was guys going okay. for a factory Honda job. Yeah. You know, because they yeah. knew that they needed a guy, right? So they're buddies of Sheik's and Watson and – you know, other guy, and then next thing you know, Honda's like, "Yeah, we're just gonna bring this guy over from road race." And I remember among us mechanics, there was some bitterness. Oh, so, so. poor Watson went from man, I might be a factory Honda mechanic to I'm um, Deegan's mechanic on the metal militia. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but they won a Supercross, so there, yeah, there, they did. There they is did. that. Yes. Uh, yeah, the 125s. Uh, that was pretty much it. Like Wyndham, I think had a bad start in one moto. Yeah, some problems. Yeah, came back. Moto two was pretty good. Right for him. Uh, can I just? Go on a little rant here. Oh, okay. A little race tech rant. Okay. All right. One of the things about these old races that just really warms my heart, and there's 
a certain amount of ex-pros on social media nowadays that like to talk about the old days, like to bring up mm. the old days. Uh, I haven't noticed. Uh, oh, yeah, you haven't noticed? I haven't noticed. And then you go back and you watch. And the video tells different stories about things that happened. And they tell different, you know, they, they get tired. They fade. They're not, where they, they're not up front. You never see them in the, in the broadcast. You, you see them and then they go backwards. Or they crash. Or whatever. And I think to myself, do these ex-pros not know that these videos exist? <laughs> do, they, do they not know that they're on a site called YouTube? Or YouTube, as Dean Wilson likes to call it? Yeah. Um, do they not understand that there's the vault and there's YouTube? I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, I, the, the, I, I'm reminded of this. I've been reminded of this. The coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve, Steve Kerr, Kerr, who yeah. is a good NBA player. Yep. He's not the coach of the Warriors. And, you know, they're trying to, like, compare, you know, them when they had an epic season to teams of the past. And he's just like, isn't this how it's supposed to work? You're supposed to always be improving and evolving and getting better. Like, shouldn't it always just be better than it always was? It is odd that although scientifically that only makes complete sense. For some reason, at least in this sport, we think of it's like they're always getting worse. The riders are always getting <laughs> they're all bigger. Ba- they're more pampered. Yeah, yeah, they're- yes. And the 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 longer ago you go, the gnarlier and the fitter and the better the racing was and the better the bikes were. Uh, dudes got tired a lot back then. And by the way, I ask you this: even in the even in like the mid '80s, where you had all these Hall of Famers battling it out, find I want I'll challenge anybody. Give me like six races that come down to the last lap where dudes are all over each other battling. Whereas here in 2021, almost every 450 national has been like that. So all these unbelievably gnarly dudes we train so hard. These guys these days they don't know nothing about anything. They're all wusses. Uh, yeah. About 20 minutes into a lot of these motos, uh, they all just spread out and they just finish where they finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, there's. Yep. I'm watching. Uh, meanwhile, I'm watching Redbud and I'm seeing, or, or Washugal, and I'm seeing, you know, Ferrandis and Tomac throwing down heaters uh, as the two lap card is out. Yeah. I'm not seeing a lot of yep. that. Yep. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of it. You know, we, guys. We, uh, we do have Tim Ferry who, who, to thank. Uh, I, I must get him in here, who says that Stu and. and RC would get like 12th place in Supercross now. So there okay. is the ultimate. Okay, <laughs> <I'm doing that. laughs> yes. there, there, there are some ex-pros that are clueless, but they're the other way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think they're getting 12th against anybody. But yes, I but, at least yeah. appreciate the sentiment of yeah. Eli Tomac, friggin' gnarly dude. I just, gnarly. I, I just, I look at some of these guys that, yeah, and there's three of them that come to mind right now on social media. And I'm like, well, I was around. I just, I was yep. there, you guys. Yes. I was there. I watched you. All your races, yep. you know? So, yeah. Anyways. I mean, what were the training programs then? I'm not saying that some guy... I, I don't like... I I won't go so far. Some people are like, oh, everybody just partied and nobody trained until Carmichael. Do not... Do not say those words with someone like Mike LaRocco or Mike Kudrowski yeah, yeah, or no. Jeff Stanton or within shouting distance or Amara or those guys. Like, there were gnarly dudes back then. But I think if you go through, like, the bulk of the field, I think before it was, like, some guys really trained hard, some guys trained a little bit. Now pretty much everyone's under someone's lock and key. Mm -hmm. Like, who is slacking out of these top ten 
450 counts. Yeah. Is anybody yeah. just like, nah, I don't even know how I do it in the week, dude, but hey, the team doesn't even know. Is <laughs> right. anyone doing it like that anymore? No, yeah. I don't, no, I agree. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, that's my that's my rant for the for the Liat Re-Raceables. Uh, okay, okay, so uh, 250 class here. So Fro is the man at this point. Fro pulls off a unexpected 96 250 outdoor title. 97, he wins the Supercross title. Of course, Jeremy McGrath switches to Suzuki. Jeremy's outdoor season starts strong and then kind of goes off. And they talk about the round before this Troy. What was it? Unadilla? Uh, Unadilla. I think they, he got like ninth. They all say that that's the worst he ever rode. Uh, Bailey McGrath, says it. Yeah. Art says it. Uh, Skip Norfolk is interviewed because uh, Skip comes back to be his mechanic. And Skip's like, yeah, I don't really know what, what went on. So Jeremy has a strong race here. I mean, he's leading early, you know, before Fro gets him. But at this point, man, Fro is just on. He is on point right here. His bike. His gear, everything, uh, it's, it's Fro's race. Yeah, and not just a black gear intimidation. Like, he really earned it because, you know, the majority of Fro's races, he was a phenomenal starter, right? And a lot of the races he won, I'm going to assume a lot of it comes from, he gets a start and works it from there. But in this one, at first moto, he doesn't even get a good start. No, he's he nowhere to be found. What, he's like nope. sixth? Probably six, yeah. seven? You can kind of see him in the background. Yeah. Yeah, and he just eats these guys up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Comes up. Bradshaw leads early. <sighs> Are we ready for that? Do we go there now or do we wait? We can go there now, but I don't want to go there. I don't want to okay, go so there. I, this is the thing. It is, like you just said, these videos, unfortunately, are there and they do not lie. So, you know, we, we did the Bradshaw 97 high point. You know, everybody's a Bradshaw fan, including myself. And I'm like, oh, man. You know, if Bradshaw just had a couple of breaks, maybe it's that Honda, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, you know, he could get there. He could get back to where he's winning a bunch of races. Oh, maybe the high point win will spur the confidence. I don't remember him whole shotting this race and leading for a while. Did you remember that? No, I do not. No, I do not. So I'm like, oh, wait, he's ahead of all these guys. Like, what is going to happen? Like, he's got the break he needs. Uh, Well, David Bailey, who's usually pretty honest in his analysis, (laughs) even he will not say the inevitable it it's disappointing that our that we can't end up with the with on the podium at least uh uh, bradshaw just overheats and gets tired and is done oh yeah and he's done and he doesn't even finish second moto nope nope so there he is all of a sudden riding really slow and bailey's like i don't know he just maybe needs a lap to get his rhythm back and i'm like (laughs) oh you're trying so hard Thank you, David. Thank you for. Thank you. For, you don't want to talk trash on Damon. Nobody wants to talk trash. Nobody on Damon. wants to talk trash on Damon. No. 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 Uh, he, uh, you know, there's a fine line, I guess, between like, oh, you could be in shape, but the heat affects people different. Whatever. Uh, he got hot or and or tired. That's what happened. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. And he did he? I think he was on the line in Moto Two. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think he started, but yeah, he didn't finish. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, rough, rough look for Damon Bradshaw, Troy 97. Hey, look, maybe he was hot. Maybe he was, I mean, no, no, maybe he was sick. Maybe he was sick. Okay. Uh, that, yes. Let's go with that. Okay, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that so we can at least, yeah, survive, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when MXA, they did not like Bradshaw, they would take shots at Bradshaw all the time. But one of the shots they would take is that he's not in good enough shape. Really? Oh, I don't remember that shot. Oh, they love to throw that stuff. They did? There. Okay. Oh, yeah. They took a lot of shots at Damon Huffman also, by the way. For, uh, for the same thing. Yeah. 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 So yep, They were very big on that. Uh, so, okay. So, yeah, basically it's Froze Day, 1-1. Uh, Bradshaw leads uh, McGrath early. Uh, Jeremy has the best performance of the year. But, 
yeah, it's kind of not really happening for anybody other than Jeff Emig this year. And I, and I and you know what? And really, like looking back on it, like again, I was around, I was watching these races. Uh, that's how I remember it too. Fro was really good. The only guy that really challenged him in '97 was actually Dowd, but Dowd was always very track dependent. The super crossy Kenworthies. Uh, yeah, Dowd's not challenging anybody. No, no, uh, and, and, and I believe this was uh, they they had mentioned. Well, Unadilla was right before this, and they battled. Okay, I take it back. They did battle actually right down to the freaking checkered flag, uh, in the motos. Oh, was it? Unadilla. Okay, at Unadilla. Yeah. yeah, they did. Okay. Yeah. So on the right track, you know, Unadilla, Binghamton, Southwick, the tracks that were like Dowd's or, or sandier tracks like Millville. Yep. Redbud, which I guess was getting sandier back then. Dowd was very good, but on this Supercross style track, yeah, this. Not that's uh, not Dowd's thing. Not Dowd's yeah. thing. No, for sure, right? No. So, um, yeah. all right. Uh, what else? Well, oh. uh, McGrath, let's talk about this a little yep. bit. You actually got some real intel. So, yeah, this is big that Skip Norfolk has returned as McGrath's mechanic, and Wyatt Seals is out. He had been McGrath's mechanic at the beginning of this '97 Suzuki experiment. You actually just learned recently from your podcast at Roger DeCoster from this year. Oh boy, you got real light shed on how bad. The mechanic situation actually was. I mean, look, Wyatt Seals did more as a mechanic than I ever did. You know what I mean? Like, he, he had some real success with a lot of riders and probably doesn't deserve to be trashed somewhat in Jeremy's book and uh, in moto uh, sort of lore, moto stories. You know what I mean? Uh, but, um, yeah, this year he was – Roger said he was, you know, he was, he was in love with a girl. He had a girl, and he was traveling around, going back and forth with her. He wasn't showing up for places. Skip mentioned coming over, and the bike wasn't even – you know, they didn't even know what they were, what was on the bike as far as the, the – uh, did Roger tell the story of the throttle, or was that Skip? Yes, it was Roger. Roger the said story. they found out that Skip had installed the wrong – he wanted a no, Honda. Wyatt. Or Wyatt. Sorry, Wyatt had installed yeah. the wrong throttle cable, and the freaking – Slide wasn't even opening all the way. Like, yes. what? <laughs> like, what? McGrath's trying to win this Supercross title, and he can't even go wide open. That is unbelievable. Uh, amazing, right? It's amazing. Uh, yep. So, And then you said to Roger, like, hey, man, you know, he still could have won the title. He had a flat in one race and a clutch problem. And he's like, that was on the mechanic. Yeah. The clutch was on yeah, the clutch mechanic. Yeah, clutch was on mechanic, right. Yeah. I, here I thought it was just a, a, a clutch issue. But, yeah, uh, it was amazing. Um, right. So seeing these races were skipped now is back. Yeah. Uh, we did not know until just this year how much turmoil was actually going on. Going on, yeah, behind the scenes. And, and Jeremy was still pretty good, you know what I mean? And then yeah. I think it's after this race he cuts his foot on a glass at a bar. Beaker's there. Beaker's there. At, oh, young Beaker. Yeah, young Beaker is at the at the wow. at the spot. And then Jeremy, that's it. He pulls the plug on it. And by the so way, can too. We blame Beaker for this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. By the way, also, too, uh, again, going back, and I love our buddy Denny Stevenson, Debo, uh, very opinionated on social media. Debo yelling and screaming about the riders today declining MXDN nods. Well, if you go to Cycle News from this, this race, or maybe it's the race after, but I was doing some research, Jeremy turns down the MXDN team. Yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't, I don't want to go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. Turning down the MXDN team. Jeremy McGrath. Yeah, McGrath did race in 96, but also in 1995, he was the 250 National Motocross Champion, and he did not race. Yeah, yeah. He but, wasn't switching teams, but, anything. But it was all, it's all today's riders. It's all today's riders. You know, no one else would yeah. ever do that. These heroes would yeah. never do that. Stanton did it. Bradshaw did it in 92. No thanks. Don't want to go to Australia. You know? So, yep. uh, just, just another rant, I guess. 
All right. Um, okay. A couple things in this race, too, that are really good. Davey interviews Ali Seymour. Uh, this is obviously in the 125 class. And Davey asks him what's going on with Wyndham. And, and Ali's like, I don't know. My radio's not working. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I like that one. As a guy who's ready. That is my point. That is my point. Right, right. We thought we were at the highest level that racing could ever go. Yep. And and that and also too, like that's that's something that I can appreciate as a mechanic, right? Where your radio's out and you're just like and like you like you hear nothing. You hear no chatter and you're like, what is going on? Like nobody's talking. And it's like, oh wait, my radio's not either on or working. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I've I've left my radio off, right? Like you forget to turn it on. And you're like, this is the weirdest thing ever. There's no lap times, there's no anything. You're like, oh wait. So, Gosh. good times. Um, I, I love times. I was mentioning they didn't have, you know, they didn't have the screen in the mechanics. Oh no, yeah, you had no. your stopwatch. Yeah, you had your stopwatch. So you would, someone would just be relaying it. No, no, you did your own. Um, you did your own, and so you would, oh, okay, you, you would literally go off like what you would talk to your rider beforehand and be like, hey, I'm gonna go off that jump, or you know, I'm gonna go off that point for the lap time, just FYI. And so you had your stopwatch okay. around your neck, or you had your Oakley Oakley watch on, and you did it that way. So okay. Um, uh, really cool story from Bailey that I thought was awesome. Um, so Tishner is back from Japan and riding for, uh, PE, I think PE performance at this point, um, in Florida, right? Uh, I don't remember. I just remember he was actually really doing well. Yeah. Tishner was a great rider, dude. He was underrated. He really was a great rider. Uh, so Tishner is back in 125s and he's a privateer and I think he's riding for PE out of Florida. And David's got this cool story that I thought was great. He said back when Stanton was on Yamaha, uh, they were riding at Lake Sugar Tree, and Tishner was there, Suzuki days, and of course this was, you know, late 80s. And he talked about how Tishner was riding circles around Stanton on Supercross. I know! Yeah, so think about that. So this is 80, 86 or 87 or 88 probably. Yeah. And, uh, and Tishner was uh, on Suzuki, and, and David's story about Tishner riding circles around Jeff Stanton and then Stanton goes to Honda of course and it all changes but yeah cool story so yeah well you know it's full circle here because Titchener was another one of those Damon Huffman like guys that 125 Supercross for Suzuki you're like okay this is the guy that's going to get Suzuki back on it yeah and he just became another victim yep Um, seriously there must be 12 guys (laughs) there's so many yeah there's so many 125 (laughs) Supercross for Suzuki between like 1984 and pretty much Carmichael 20 years later yeah yeah, there's a ton of them, right? Um, yeah. Uh, also, uh, so I love that story. I wanted more of that. And we, why don't we get David on one of these? We need to do that. We, he would be great. His memory is yeah, fantastic. So, yes. Uh, tracking, yep. pinning him down for an interview might be tough, but we need to try that. Um, well, you know what? Part of the problem is, I, I hate to admit this, but it gets harder. Like, I'm going to admit, like, you know, Bailey's prime. I'm five years old, so maybe I'm not as familiar. Uh, maybe we, we, we just ask him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ask him to recommend one. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, also, uh, before we get into Davey, uh, who was the pit reporter there, LaRocco, big crash, rough year at Suzuki. Um, David says they're talking about LaRocco for next year, right? And what's he going to do and who who wants him? And David says, well, Suzuki won him after a hard season of emotional feelings and politics. That's, oh, yeah, there were issues. Like, they benched him for a race. I know, but for the guys to bring it up and everything, I thought that was pretty bold back then. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I just thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I feel like there was more random breaking news and opinions on those TV shows then. You know, as uh, we'll get to Davey here in a second. We should probably do that. But as he mentions, the TV shows then were done. A bunch of guys with cameras would record it at the races. Then they'd ship it all back to Atlanta, edit it. And then a few days later, Ekman and Bailey would announce it in a studio. 
it almost seemed like the general disconnect of them yeah. not having to deal with these guys on a daily basis meant they were just dropping news. Uh, I, legitimately, I would hear silly season stuff from Art just randomly in the middle of a moto all the time. And yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. he could just say this, I guess. It's just, oh, yeah, Ezra Lusk will be going to Honda next year. Well, okay. <laughs> all right. He's on Yamaha right now. Because I'm telling you, like, Tomac to Yamaha right now, like, we know it. Yeah. But we're not spraying it everywhere. Trying to be respectful of right. the whole situation. Yeah, back then it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I thought that quote was great. Well, Suzuki won him after a hard season of emotional feelings and politics. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was great. And also, another note, too, second moto, I don't know about the first moto, but second moto, MC is wearing an off-the-shelf Honda of Troy Bell helmet. Like that Bell did a special Honda Troy graphics for them. Um, And, you know, obviously they were a small part of his team and he was buddies with Phil Alderton, the owner and all that. But I just thought it was interesting. Not a custom one, nothing else, just like the one you could buy. Just I probably just because it was Troy, like in honor of Troy, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of neat. I've never seen Jeremy in a photo with that helmet ever. Was he, you think, there when uh, they had the the female entertainment. Oh, I know he was. Absolutely. He was right oh, he, was. he was right next to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Then we all went back to the Red Roof Inn after. There was a Red Roof Inn we were all staying at. Yeah. Uh, this is a young Steve Mathis must have been in shock that oh. this is going down. And oh. Jeremy McGrath is right there. Oh, dude. I remember. And I remember because, look, I, I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, but. No, no. I know. Careful. I'm just saying it's shocking. No, okay. Can, well, I've already admitted that he was there and everything else. But let me just finish with this. So, do you know... The pit bike of nations. There was one man who stood up and really got the crowd under control. We know that, right? <laughs> yes. Doug Dumont. Yes, pit bike of nations at Redbud right. Motocross of Nations. Right. Yes, one man part of the season. Right. So, actually, can we do a re-raceables on the pit bike of nations? We, we need to. We need to. Yes. So, okay. Saturday night, Redbud, yes. <laughs> so, it was Doug Dubach, right? And, and <laughs> Dubach, part of the season, calmed everybody down. So, at this entertainment all of us were getting a little close, closer, right? It was a circle, right? And there was, everyone was getting a little closer to the ladies. There was a man who was like, everybody back. Everybody back. Give him space. And it was Jeremy McGrath. It was Jeremy McGrath. Again, the oh, king. Oh, it was McGrath. Yeah, it was, oh. no, it was the king. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be Dubok oh, no, again. It wasn't Dubok. It wasn't Dubok again. But that would have been a better story if it was Dubok. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it was Jeremy McGrath. Just like Dubok, playing, you know, commanding the room. You know what? He This is a man that truly understood leadership and the sport. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's, that's all I wanted yes. to get to. Yeah. This is my role. I'm the Supercross champion. Right. I'll make sure that everybody keeps themselves out of trouble. Yes, thank you. So, uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk to Davey Coombe, shall we? Let's get into that. And, uh, of course, the pit reporter uh, for ESPN back then. All right, we've got Damon Huffman talking about 97 Troy on the Lee at Re-Raceables. But now let's get the man... That was really busy all day long. I, this race might take a record for the most pit reporter uh, interviews. It was all day long in both <laughs> classes. He's working for ESPN is Davey Coombs. What's up, DC? How are you? Uh, just getting uh, on the road to Unadilla. But, um, man, I remember that day as being just the hottest stickiest day I ever remember being in a motocross race. It, it was know, we, bad, we, yeah. Yeah, it was gnarly. Yeah, we didn't. We talked about the muddiest race, the wettest race, like Daytona, 08, or, you know, um, you know any number of uh, days at Loretta Lynn's, but we never really talk about the hottest race. Um, and, and, you know, in my opinion, 
I can't remember personally ever being hotter. And I was at Freestone in, in 2010 or 2011 when, when Medi and, and Eli both melted down. And, um, and I'd been in a few hot ones, you know, out west in, in Florida um, in 2019 at um, WW Ranch was a smoking hot one. But with Kenworthy's, because of where it is right along that riverbank, and the fact that it's surrounded by all those trees, that place is like a cauldron in the middle of July. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's like a sauna. We, you know what I'm saying, though, when we watch back this? Uh, Davey interviews 50 people, it seems like. Uh, you know, he's got guys twice. Mike Gossler twice. It, it's very busy, Weege. Well, I think uh, what, we, what we find out in those days uh, I mean, they didn't have live timing or anything in the mechanics area, right? So I don't think the guys had anything to do. What did they do? Just watch their guy go by and then sit there for two minutes? Right. What else did they have? Yeah. And, and you have to remember, at Kenworthy's, the mechanics area, well, you, you know what? If you weren't on the infield spinning like a dial all day long, yeah. you could only see a very small part of the track. Yep. In the mechanics area, literally, there was no TV, to, to your point. There was no time and scoring. So – no one had anything to do. Yep. Also, because it wasn't live, I remember Scott McLemore, who was the director, said, well, just get some interviews and, and, and we'll see which ones we like because Art and David are not there. Right. They're doing, they're doing the voiceover post-production in Georgia a few days later. So I think they were trying to make it sound hot. But they were in an air conditioning at Lou Seals' studio somewhere. So they, <laughs> I, I was I was literally there sweating my butt off. And um, you know, I remember the uh, where the staging area was that all of the riders would gather under these two trees. And it was like, you know, when you're driving down the road in Texas or Florida and you see a bunch of cattle all gathered under one tree because that's the only shade in the county. <laughs> that's, that's what it was like before each moto. Uh, it, it was, it was uh, you could see steam coming off the guys. I remember getting roosted from the rubber flying off the tires at Troy, uh, <laughs> you know, his concrete start. And I remember, somehow I remember getting roosted, and I'm just like, ow, ah, ah, the rubber's flying, in the, and it's already, I just remember Troy being really bad for that. Um, the uh, What a day for Huffman. He, both hole shots, Davey, uh, led every lap. Uh, of course, Ricky at this point had won eight out of 16 motos. Uh, but Damon Huffman's day, that that was what Troy 97 was. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I, I, I re- never would have guessed that day going in that, that Huffman would be, the guy because you know ricky was just starting to really establish himself uh but but he wasn't consistent in supercross just yet and you know by the terms of i guess what you call 1997 or mid-90s supercross kenworthy's wasn't far off it was it was a very technical track and and so i i think that ricky may not have been as comfortable as he was at say southwick or gatorback um, but, but I never would have thought that, that Huffman, you know, given that, that he hadn't really, you know, mm-hmm. been the same guy that he was a few years earlier in a while, that, that, that he would show up and, and, and win on a KX 125 like that. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, okay. So all the reporting is on how hot it is for the riders and stuff. Uh, what were you doing? I mean, you were out there the whole time too. I always, you know, I'm never one to say that us as reporters are working as hard as the athletes. 
But was it a little bit difficult physically for you and the mechanics and everyone else that was just out there all day? Well, there, there, there was shade. Like I said, the mechanics would go stand under those trees, too. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, 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 you know, granted, uh, no one out there was racing in a camelback. Uh, but in the, in the mechanics and signaling area, we certainly had some cold drinks and, you know, you could, you could pop up an umbrella or whatever. And, um, so yeah, you know, it, it was a hot day, but you know, I was out, you know, doing lots of work oh. during the week cause you know, we had just done high point. Uh, we were getting ready for Loretta Lynn's. So I looked at it as Loretta Lynn's training. Uh, so I was like, I, it's, it's, this is, this is hot. This is the hottest day I'm going to probably have until I get to Loretta Lynn's. Um, but I did feel bad for the guys out there. My God, it, you know, this is, this is, you know, like I said, there's no air. It was like riding in a sauna. And, and, and I remember probably the coolest thing, the, the best mind game I think I ever saw someone pull off is before the 250 race, Emig, who is, you know, really at the, at the height of his career, shows up to the starting gate, goggles on, gloves on, completely blacked out shift gear, head to toe. Yeah. Goes out, and, and because he had the number one pick, he went straight to the starting gate and just sat there in the middle of the blazing sun, and everyone was just looking at him like, oh, that's stupid. But 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 Fro had him covered. He he knew that 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 he was ready, and uh, it was it was a pretty cool psych out moment. And I think that just as that was the last great race for Damon Huffman, I think it was one of Fro's last great races as well. You know, you just triggered a memory of mechanics area at Troy. There was a cooler there for the mechanics. There was a plugged in <laughs> cold cooler. We had oh. drinks. We had drinks. That's right. I forgot till Davey said that. Yeah, that, yeah. that was courtesy of the promoter Don Kenworthy. He yeah. knew it was going to be hot and, and pulled that out. And um, yeah, we had a cooler. I remember, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and, and maybe it was in the Cycle News coverage, but I remember someone literally falling over uh, on their bike, like passed out, and I can't remember who it was. But you know, this was you know this was before uh, the unfortunate tragedy we had at Redbud uh, about a dozen years ago when Josh Lichtel um, perished mm-hmm. uh, for lack of um, a better, you know, we, I don't think anyone understood the danger of that kind of uh, heat and, and, and the preparation was different. The, 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 you know, we, it wasn't as scientific as it is now. Cool. And, and in hindsight, I think that we should have really, you know, had uh, or whoever was running the series at that time should have really uh, been aware and ready for for some some emergencies uh, among the riders or the mechanics or even the spectators because it it was it was a scorcher. Well, Davey, you actually interview a doctor. You interview a doctor. Uh, I don't know. Rec- this is an AMA doctor. Was it, yeah, who was it? I've never heard of this guy. I, 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 I don't know. The only motocross doctor I remember interviewing was uh, <laughs> either Dr. Bodner or Dr. Reimer. But was he a guy from Maryland by chance? I have no idea. Here. Uh, give me a second. Oh. I, I'm looking at the video right now when they font, yeah, yeah. They font his and name. You also talk about, Davey, while Weege looks that up, you talk about uh, not, not you know being smarter about that kind of stuff. Lampson, they talk about it many times. Lampson KOs himself in practice, breaks his helmet, 
got a fat lip. He's got he's got a, a cut on his face, and he still races. Like there's zero chance of Steve Lampson lining up today if that's the if that's what happens in practice to him. You know, obviously he doesn't have a good day. He pulls out with the heat and the the head injury. But I mean, David Bailey talks about yeah, man. Uh, you know, when those kind of days, you're just in a fog all day long. You don't really remember anything. You know, <laughs> and all of us are just like yeah, cool, whatever. Like we, yeah, that, that, you know what, Steve? That's one of the things I love about these re-raceables is. It, it, it's a it's a walk down memory lane, and you forget about stuff like that. And then you also you know look back at these races and think, man, what we didn't know then. Yeah, you know it's like yeah. a Bob it's like a Bob Seger song, you know. Yeah. Um. But but yeah yeah, Lammy would not have been able to race. Uh. You know we 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 would have considered shorter motos. Mm-hmm. You know again. You know, the, all that sort of changed after the tragedy at Redbud, where we really started getting scientific and, and, and talking to, you know, the, the Astros Mobile Medics, or rather the Alpenstars Mobile Medical Unit, wasn't even a thing back then. No. So, you know, we were dealing with, with local paramedics. Yep. It says uh, Dr. Tom Malone, medical advisor for yeah, Pro yeah. <laughs> so doc, doc, Dr. Malone was actually from uh, Maryland. Oh, okay. He was a long-time, long-time racer, super good guy. And, and I think that, that um, he's friends with uh, the doctor that comes to Loretta Lynn's now. And, uh, but he, he, he went to the motocross of nations and everything. He was, he was a fan, but he was a trauma surgeon. And uh, that's not a bad thing to have around whenever you're you know, racing dirt bikes. What a job, Davey, finding Tom Malone and getting him in on this race, too. Like, yeah, yeah just yeah. <laughs> really grinding, <laughs> I, I, you know. Uh, hey, you know, uh, so the struggle on your side, this is what's hilarious. So every one of these post-race interviews, especially after Moto 1, when the guys have to go back and get ready, uh, everybody's like <laughs> half, half conscious, basically. They're so hot. <laughs> It's so tired. At one point, you interview Albie, who I think is third in the first moto, and he's laying down in the grass. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, you still went for it. You still asked him well, questions. No, it, things are different back then. You know, it, it's, you know, like just as, you know, Lammy wouldn't be able to race because of an impact test, uh, you know, Albertine, his people would have been like, you got to put a jersey on. You got, where, where's the podium? There was no podium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was like they came off the track and, and I interviewed them. And now if I did that or, you know, if uh, uh, the pit reporter at a race did that, it'd be like, hey, don't you know about HIPAA laws? You, you, you're not allowed to, you know, there was no tent to go into on the sidelines like there is in the NFL. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, Albie's laying over there. Go talk to him. <laughs> I, and, dude, he looks he looks exhausted. He looks – so, yeah, prop, props for everybody for doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the – um, it, it was – the thing about Kenworthy's is it was always hot or it was always wet. And, and because it was in the dead of summer – uh, you just never know what you could get, but but I'm going to jump ahead five years because I have this one other Kenworthy story that must must be told only for the no way factor. If you remember, that was that was the year 2002 when Ricky is riding a CR250. He's got irritable bowel syndrome. He's sick, but he wins every moto of the year. He, he goes 24 and 0, sweeps the whole thing. But in the second moto at Kenworthy's. He had an accident, for lack of a better words, in his fox pants. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott, Scott Taylor, uh, who was always around, always helping, uh, dispatched the, those pants and threw them in the garbage barrel that was uh, near the Honda pits. And people went for it. And there were a couple people that were like, 
arguing over who got to keep Ricky's pants. Oh. And the pants, oh. the pants were, were um, shall I say, discolored yeah. at that point. <laughs> so the, 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 it was um, the fans were core at Ohio. I, I, I hate that that race went away because of, um, you know, the unfortunate, uh, I, I guess you'd say, proximity to the Little Miami River, which uh, caused a postponement and then a full-on cancellation in 2003. Uh, and, and got the AMA to start thinking about a, a different venue. But, um, yeah, those races, Kenworthy's, was either hot or it was muddy. Yeah. But 90, 97, it was like they were racing in hell. Uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> well, good job, Davey, with the interviews. Thanks for jumping on here. Yeah, like I said, this is must be, this sets an all-time record for, post, for in-race uh, interviews. You really grinded it out <laughs> in the heat. So um, you're the real hero of Troy 97. Never mind Huffy or Fro. Because, yeah, uh, it's great. Thanks for the time, man. All right. See you guys at the races. Yep. Good stuff for the Lee Erasables from Davey. Uh, not, uh, he's, he's, I mean, we, we could have him on every single episode. You know, we probably, sh- we can't because our listeners might get a little tired of it. But Davey's great. Anytime he comes on, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He has an intimate memory of these races. He was a TV pit reporter and he knew all these dudes. Yeah. Really well. I will say the brazenness when these riders are half passed out dead to just keep asking questions. <laughs> yeah, Albie, the Albie, well, the Albie interview. I mean, he deserves a sports Emmy just for that. <laughs> Albie is worked. So, uh, and I, I'm glad I remembered the cooler. There was a cooler in mechanics area. Yeah, it was a plugged in and it All was, right. you know, just a basic cooler with, with drinks in it. Yeah. So. All right. Um, <laughs> All right, thanks to Liet. Of course, uh, please check it out, Liet.com, for more information on that. Maxis tires, uh, blends all as well. Uh, is it time for the categories? Shall we do the categories? Yes, it is. Yep. yep. All right, Liet, re-raceables, Troy 97 categories. Uh, who really won the race? Uh, damn it, Weege. <laughs> I mean, it has to be Hoffman. <laughs> we keep- the show has changed. This is where we're at now. I hate the fact that it has to be Huffman. I know. I mean, you're going to pick Huffman or Emig. Emig with the black gear. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. We, yeah. we, again, we don't always do that, but we really do. Hey, there is one. This reminds me. There is one guy we also need to throw a shout out to. Okay. You know who is shockingly fit, strong, fast, and ready for these gnarly conditions is Larry Ward. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Dude, yeah. Big the bird. second moto, yeah. he gets the lead. Emig gets around him, and you're like, oh, Emig's just going to check out. Dude, Ward stayed there the whole time. Hot, yeah. Ward keeps him honest. Absolutely. On uh, yes. at the hometown race. Hometown race for, for the for, Honda of Troy yep. squad. Larry Ward put in an excellent ride. He he would not let Fro off the hook. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think Fro and Larry were both surprised. Yeah. Yep. But uh, it seemed like in the interviews. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Larry did seem kind of. Uh, if you go watch this, people, just watch it for the Albie interview that Davey does. Just just go watch it for that. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm going to go Damon what? Huffman. For the yeah, for the interview for the Albie interview. Yeah. Oh, just, just laying in the grass. Just laying in the grass. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out, by the way, uh, to Doug DeHaan for his 25th. Go Canada, go. Um, okay. Known for their performances in the heat. Yeah, always, always. So who yeah. really won the race? Yeah, uh, that's the number one category, and we'll, we'll go that way. Uh, who's that guy award? Uh, I think it can only be one gentleman um, in this race. From Mont- Montgomery, Alabama, Andre Penne. Andre Penne gets 19th in Moto2. And I have no idea who that is. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I can name something about pretty much everybody. Can you do? Do I'm, you know what about Dunaway? Are you are you a Dunaway guy? Do you know? Yeah, Dunaway okay. was local yep. to the uh, Ohio Pennsylvania area. Oh right. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, when I was going to High Point Steel City all the time. Okay. Yeah, Dunaway. I didn't know if you were. Yeah, I I definitely remember him, but I didn't know if. Yeah. So you're yep. you're on board with that. So I'm gonna go Andre Penne, right? Penne. Yeah. Costa. Well, uh, these two categories are tough. The the Jacob Marsack Award that has to be results based, right? Yes, yes, and I, okay, ha- I so have mine I will, for that. Yeah, I will then go with Brian Roth, who I'd never heard of, who, as you mentioned earlier in this show, is just running like fourth for like the first ten minutes of the first one twenty five. Yeah, photo. yeah. So you'd never heard Brian of Brian Roth? Roth? No. Oh, is he known? Oh yeah, Brian Roth is known. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going. Who's that guy? And Brian Roth. What do you know about Brian Roth? Oh, just yeah, super great, supercross for a long time. He's a West Coast guy, I believe. Brian Roth was oh, okay. a West Coast guy. Let me let me double check on that. But uh, uh, yeah, Brian Roth, man, he uh, he was a privateer for a long time. He had really good style, if I remember right. Um, we could probably okay. Oh, probably... so it wasn't. I mean, this is still a pretty good run for him to be running like. Oh, four, for sure. No, no, you no. You had seen signs. The guy was pretty good. I don't believe Brian Roth. Uh, yeah, Fair Oaks, California. West Coast guy, I said. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't believe Brian Roth ever got a national number or anything. Just one of those okay. privateer guys. Dig him. Yep. Um, but Andre Penne, Penne Pasta, good job. 19th, second moto, Montgomery, Alabama. All right, next category, Liat Re-Raceables. Uh, Lit Kid Award. You know, it's easy to say fro because it was all black gear and it was hot as balls. It's easy yep. to say fro, but I, honestly... I think I'm going Huffman with the Axo. You know me, I'm biased. If I can get Axo in any of these shows and show love to the 90s look, I got to do it. So, there, fine. If you're taking Huffman, I'll just go Bradshaw just to keep Axo in it. Okay, all right. Bradshaw had a good look, too. For sure. Yeah, Bradshaw, Bradshaw had a good look, too. Uh, no doubt about it. But, um, yeah, Lick Hit Award. I'll go Huffman. That Axo gear it was a black, it was uh, white with black accents on it. And, uh, and 17 and the rye helmet. Like, I thought Huffy looked pretty good. So, yeah, this is uh, Carmichael and Pro Circuit or Axo at this time as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they were still they were still on top of their game. Uh, all right. Our next Lee at Re-Raceables category is uh, where's JT? 1923 in the 250 class. He sells us straight from graduation. Drove there with Frank. Yeah. 1923. <laughs> Love it. Yep. Love it. Uh, Jacob Marsak Award for the rider who did the best at this race without you having any idea. Um, what do you got, Weege? So again, we have to go. We have to go results based. Well, were you going to go like, Roth? I'm were you going to go Brian Roth? I would have gone Brian Roth. Uh, what about where did where did Deegan end up in this? I'm confused. Where is Deegan in this first moto? He. Oh, he got fifth. Yeah, I'm going with that. I'm going with that. Okay. Yes, you go Deegan. Brian Deegan got fifth in hottest balls. Humid as hell, Kenworthy's Troy, Ohio, as a privateer in the 125 first moto. There you go. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's yeah. You got to remember too. Yeah. F- privateer guy. So um, that's that's impressive. Yep. That's a hell of a ride. Yep. I'll go. Well, I got two. Jim Neese, 11th. Now, when I, by 97, Jim Neese is on the back end. Right. Yeah, I or guess so. I mean, Jim I did a Nieces? lot of cross years later, and Nice is still uh, pretty good, but that's a cross. I know. I feel like Nice is older at this point. Okay. He's yep. 11th overall, 
or Mike Caton Jr., who went 15-15. He's from Ohio. That was probably one of his best nationals ever. Mike Caton and Ty Birdwell had some battles in Supercross. Oh, some battles. Really? They were both uh, right around each other. Caton would usually get the better of them. Uh, it looked appeared like Caton uh, uh, actually trained, or Birdwell didn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, Mike Caton and Birdwell in Supercross always found each other. Uh, I feel like this is one of Mike Caton's better rides. Thirteenth overall, Mike Caton Jr. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna look. I'm looking at his results in the vault. He got a fourteenth at Steel City. Fourteenth. He got a twelfth at Steel City. So okay. So it wasn't one of his better. It was yeah. I guess it was one of his better rides, but not a career best. 15-15 for 13th overall. Mike Caton Jr., everybody. That's who I'm going with. So That's solid. Uh, uh, Deegan, actually, I see he got 10th in Moto2. He actually finished 5th overall. Uh, uh, Wyndham was 6th uh, behind yeah. our, uh, David Pingree. Finishes 4th. So shout out to Ping in the heat. Pichon was 3rd. But, uh, I mean, that's it. Huffman, Carmichael, Pichon, Pingree, right. Deegan. Right. Yeah, think about Good that. Job, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good job for all those guys. Uh, I yep. texted Dean Baker, by the way, right after I said that I meant to text Dean Baker earlier. And I asked him about this. Troy 97. I said, it's hot as balls. You look like you're disgusted with Craig after he pulls in mid-motos. Any memories of this? He writes back, I don't remember that, but it surely had happened, and I was definitely pissed. So, there we go. <laughs> Dean Baker, everybody. All right. That's half Riding the, f- the roller coaster with Craig. Half the fun of these Rebasables is asking these guys about this shit that happened, right? So, Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yep. All right, uh, that's been another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables. Thank you to Davey Coombs. Thank you to Damon Huffman for coming on. Uh, intense uh, taser athlete, Damon Huffman, everybody. Um, good times. And um, Troy 97, Ohio. Uh, Troy, Ohio 97, great race as far as the weather. I mean, you had to be there, people. Uh, ask JT, ask myself, ask Dave. Davey brought it up. Huffy brought It was insanely humid and hot, and uh, uh, one of the conditions, like, you know, when Redbutt had the really bad one a few years back, and when people bring stuff up, they say Troy, Ohio. But I still stand with Bud's 98 was the worst I ever felt. Now, 97 Troy, I was a mechanic whose rider didn't make the motos. So, <laughs> right? So I was chilling. Makes it a little easier, makes it a little easier Steve. Bud's 98, my man did make the motos. So that, you know, so I remember Bud's 98 being really, really hot and feeling lightheaded and all that. So. But then I also went out drinking the night before, Bud's 98. So <laughs> it all comes together, everybody. All right. Okay. Uh, thanks, Weege. Appreciate the time as always. Can't wait to do another one. Let, hit up hit up Bailey, will you? Because you're, you're tighter with DB than I am. Hit up Bailey, and uh, let's try to get him in one of these. Maybe we could pick one of these uh, Grand National Championship, you know, these weirdo weekends where, you know, he and, say, Bomber were battling in two separate classes to be the Grand National Champ combined for the year maybe something like that yeah there we go uh that Was sounds that, uh, good. maybe millville one year I millville, think millville 83 downstairs. yeah millville 83 that's where dogger that be a good one. dogger cost bomber oh with that kind of drama yeah we need to talk about it yeah we, we need to get on that uh all right everybody yep. thanks to Leah. thanks to maxis thanks to blends all thank you people and uh yeah man until next time thanks everybody thanks weech see ya